tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Our free phone number doesn't cost you anything to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show, we have more reaction to that story of the family who were homeless in Clonmel. We continue with the conversation around the story that 95% of parents given Down syndrome diagnosis in a Dublin hospital chose abortion. We'll be hearing from our listeners on that. The Minister, Roderick O'Gorman, says that Ireland will need to give asylum to those fleeing the effects of climate change. Again, we have a reaction from our listeners to that story that broke uh, yesterday. The long wait for NCT testing. Are Prince Harry's allegations more than just a fistfight with the royals? We'll discuss uh, the, the notion of a thruple. And uh, this was news to me. A thruple seemingly is a three-way love affair. And we'll be talking about that uh, later on too. And also the lion diet also known as the carnivore diet, and it's gaining popularity online, and we'll be getting some advice where that is concerned. So all of that and much, much more on the way. Let's have a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. Right across the newspapers, that story that uh, politicians have been warned by Gardaí to get personal alarms if they have safety concerns and to wear comfortable shoes to move quickly. And that advice, of course, follows the attack last week in Gart in uh, Galway when uh, bags of cow dung were thrown at Minister of State Anne Rabbit and uh, the TD Karen Cannon as well. And uh, guess who's going to pay, though, for the extra security? Yep, you and me, you and me, the taxpayer. Let's have a look at uh, the Irish Times, and they're leading with the headline, Hospitals Braced for Renewed Pressure on Beds. More than 850 hospital beds have been unavailable for use this year amid the ongoing procedure uh, and pressure even on the health service due to a surge in hospital attendances. The Irish Independent leading with uh, the story that energy supplier Flowgas has become the first to offer a fixed energy deal here in almost three years. Now, I suppose the move is a a signal that the uh, era of huge energy price volatility is coming to an end, which has to be good news. Also on the Indo today, and Pat uh, covered this in our news bulletin, uh, hospitals have become a breeding ground for outbreaks of COVID-19 and flu as swamped emergency departments struggle to cope with record overcrowding. And it comes as that first case of the new COVID uh, variant uh, has been detected here as well. To the Irish Examiner, and again the story of the Gardaí telling the TDs to carry uh, panic alarms. Also right across the newspapers today, and the story that John Lydon, formerly Johnny Rotten, of course, the uh, punk music star, uh, could be representing Ireland along with his band um, with a song that will give a spin to a little later on. We'll find out what you think. I think it's very good, in fact. And uh, you can make up your own mind on that. Also on the Examiner today, both uh, Facebook's owner, Meta, and the Data Protection Commission are being sued by Digital Rights Ireland, which claims that justice was denied to victims of a massive data breach at the social media giant. So that's a quick look at what's uh, making headlines today. If you want to comment on any of that, we'd love to hear from you. You can text and WhatsApp 
083-311-3311. Equally, you can use uh, uh, WhatsApp to leave us a voice note or a voice message if you want to do that. Now, yesterday on the programme, we heard from that family of five who were forced to uh, sleep in a tent for a number of nights. We heard from the mum, uh, Anna, who told us the story of herself and uh, her husband and their three kids and their particular plight. Now, she spoke to Ali yesterday. It received a huge amount of uh, reaction and, indeed, engagement from our listeners. Here's a small clip from that interview. I'm at a loss. I feel like I'm at a loss. Like, I, I'm just going to have to keep going in, aren't I? But in the meantime, like, it's, I'm, like I said to them now, I said, like, what does it take for, like, one of my children or someone to die before you just say, oh, my God, I didn't realise I was that serious? Do you know what I mean? That is what it's actually going to take. That's Anna speaking to Ali downtown Clonmel yesterday. Joanne joins me now. Good morning to you, Joanne. Hi, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed and great to talk to you. You heard that yesterday. Um, your reaction, Joanne, would be what? Oh, it's absolutely devastating. It's absolutely scandalous. Like, you know, they were meant to have a housing crisis, like, and all, everyone else coming into this country getting all the houses, like, and, you know, it's just scandalous. There are, oh, honestly, it's just maddening me so much. Mm. Have you have you family yourself, Joanne? I do. I have three kids. Right. So c- can you even get your head around the notion of being, you know, uh, in a tent in this weather where it's very I cold? Couldn't, I honestly couldn't imagine it. Like, it's been absolutely freezing then and everything. And I can, you know, walking the kids down to school, we're all co- freezing with the cold. Can't imagine how that poor family is. Yeah. What What is going wrong? Do you, do you think? Where? Why are we in this position? Do you think? Um, I don't. I don't want to be blaming anyone in particular, but like they, all them refugees are being brought into this this country, and they're getting houses the minute they're brought in. They're getting everything handed up to them, and yet our our own are suffering. You know. Hmm. Well, you know, they're not all getting houses. They're getting accommodation in hotels. Yeah, well, yeah, and, accommodation, yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, like, they've no emergency accommodation for that family, like, you know, but, and which is very, very unfair. Well, that that's the interesting point, isn't it? The emergency accommodation, because, you know, we heard from all sorts of people yesterday on this story and they were giving us some background to the family and this and that. But But here's the main thing. The family are sleeping out of doors. They need emergency accommodation. And we don't have emergency accommodation. Yeah, that's what they're saying anyway, friend. But yeah. you know, it's like them children are very young, you know, and like it's not, it's not, it's not safe, like for them to be even sleeping in a tent. Yeah, and sleeping outside the council office, like that's absolutely scandalous, you know. And then the council can't help them. And Anna told the story of people peeing on the tent as well. Like that's that's disgusting, you know. Like people have no remorse. Like it's it's absolutely scandalous. Like. Yeah. Look after our own and then look after other people, you know? Yeah. We should be first on that list. In an ideal situation, I suppose, we should be able to look after all, but that's not always the case. I mean, there's only a certain amount of uh, money to go round, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know, friend. Uh, as a young mum, uh, Joanne, I mean, how do you how do you feel about what's available to us? I mean, health-wise, you know, and all of that with health services and that one... What do you think of it at the moment? Like, about myself? Well, well, just in general. I mean, we're hearing about the huge numbers of people on trolleys, for example. People not getting proper care and treatment and all of that. Yeah, it's just, it's it's gone crazy. Like, my friend friend of mine um, was diagnosed with cancer. Um, Like, she can't even get a medical care. They're still fighting trying to get a medical care. And And she has a cancer diagnosis? Yeah, breast cancer. 
and like they're, they're still fighting today to try and get a medical care for her her partner had to leave work and everything like and you know they're only on a small payment at the minute like so you know oh my God. it's hard it's, it's hard enough to deal with that diagnosis do I want to say having to fight for and she's only she's too young to her little boy was only one the other day like you know oh so my god oh my god it's tough out there Joanne it is it yeah. is well Joanne it was really good to talk to you today we wish you well and a happy new year and thank you for coming on with me no bother, Fanny. Thank you very much. Really good to talk to you. Thanks, Joanne. Thank you, and bye bye to you now. Justin uh, joins me. Justin, good morning to you. Fran, how are you? I'm very well indeed, and great to talk to you today. Good um, to talk to you, friend. What about your reaction to, to this, Justin? Um, <laughs> well, I, I was contacted yesterday from Fran after I put some comment uh, on, a, on a thing that she had on Facebook yeah. Yeah. Uh, that basically said uh, if those people who were uh, find themselves sleeping in a tent in Clonmel, uh, made their way to Crow Park and claimed to be uh, refugees, that they'd be put up for the night and they'd be fed and they'd be safe and they'd be secure. Uh, and I think that's the opinion of uh, many friends, to be honest with you. I think many are afraid to share that opinion because they're being branded as being racist or yeah. fascists or whatever. Yeah. And I just think that there's a lot of people out there, friend, who... Uh, uh, share that opinion, Fran, and have lots to say, but uh, basically they're afraid to say it because... Well, what, what are, reasons, you know? Is it because they may be branded as being racist? Of course it is, Fran. Well, I'll tell you what, Fran, if you've noticed over the last two or three days, Fran, in the mainstream media, okay, mm. uh, 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 a particular journalist who works for uh, Today FM, Fran, put a... Right, well, you, you won't name a journalist I won't, that's why okay. I said a particular yeah. journalist, okay? okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a piece in a uh, Sunday newspaper, Fran. I'm not sure which newspaper, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. And he began to touch on, oh, maybe we should start thinking about uh, uh, tightening our borders and maybe checking who's coming into the country as they're coming into the country, Fran. Mm, yes. Yeah. And we had a small touch of it last night on uh, on Virgin Media as well, while they were in Killarney talking to the mayor and certain mm-hmm. people, okay? Yeah. But if, 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 if one was of that opinion, Fran, three months ago or six months ago, uh, you were again branded a racist or, or and right wing. That's and interesting. Else. So, do you think things are changing, Justin? Of course, yeah. friend. The, the government and and the authorities are now changing their tune because they have no choice only to change their tune because everyone else can see. I have children at home, friend, at ten or eleven years of age, and they could see that this was all going to not end well or end bad. You know, right. if, and, if, and, if my, and, if my could, cup is not full, friend, I can't help fill your cup. You know, of course. Well, and and can I just point out, you you have nothing against. Uh, Ukrainian people no, or people I, well, seeking... Well, I'll put it straight out now, Fran. I think, the, I think one of the problems, the first problems here is this. People people are not differentiating between refugees, asylum seekers, and economic immigrants, OK? Right. Refugees, Fran, are those who are fleeing genuine war, yes. women and children, OK? Yes. Clearly, I have zero problem with them coming into the country, none whatsoever, OK? Right. On top of that, Fran, I don't care what colour your skin is, friend, what God you believe in or what part of the world you come from. Mm. If you want to come to this country to get a job, make a better living for yourself, you're going to be law-abiding, you're not a criminal, and you're not going to be a sponge on the state, then you're more than welcome. More than welcome. However, it doesn't seem to be the case, Fran, that, you know, all of these people coming into the country, we don't know whether they have all have good intentions, or what their intentions are, or what their history hmm. is. Well, so, some people coming in without passports, and that seems to be a bone of yeah, contention well, for a see, lot of people, because you yeah, can't check it's, up it's, then. You no can't. No, yeah, friend, and where are their yeah. passports? And how did the board a plane on the other side, friend, if they don't have passports or identification? I'll give you a, just a, a little uh, 
I went to America, Fran, five or six years ago to get married, okay, in mm. a bit of a hurry. That's another story. But mm. anyway, before I left Dublin soil, Fran, okay, yes. I had to walk through a set of doors in Dublin Airport and into security, okay? Yeah. And I may I may I may as well I may have well has been have been in America, okay? Yeah. Uh, you know, signage was American, everybody there was American working for the American state, okay? Mm. And mm. we gave me, my wife and our four children, okay, gave both uh, at least a half an hour, I would say, Fran, okay? Yeah. Being checked rigorously. Fingerprints, uh, you know, pictures of your face, checking you out with Angara Shia Khan yeah, or whatever. Very, very tight, that, very okay? tight security. Very tight, yeah. Fran, yeah. yeah. But I, I didn't brand that as racist, Fran, okay? How I seen that was, here's the American state making sure that the wrong people don't enter their country. That's not racism, that's the state doing its job. A government doing its job, protecting the state and protecting its people. Okay. But but if, if, if someone claims here, Fran, that we should do the same thing it's then branded as racism. Right. And I'd go a step further, Fran, in to say that the government are in fact not doing their job. They're in contempt because they're not upholding the constitution which says they must uh, keep the state and its people safe. And I'm of the belief yes. that they are putting but, the lives of, uh, of, of people in danger. Right, so, but Roderick O'Gorman, the minister, came out <laughs> yesterday and yeah. he is saying that uh, not only are we taking in huge numbers of people, but now we need to expand that and take in uh, asylum yeah, well, seekers Roderick, who, Roderick, who are Roderick, affected by climate Roderick, change. Roderick, Roderick O'Gorman, friend, needs to be kicked out along with his leader, Eamon Ryan. Mm. And I, I think that's the opinion of the majority of people in the country too, friend, let alone in County Tipperary. If you took a poll today, Fran, and asked, asked everyone in the country, when should we hold a general election, I'm sure that I'll say we should hold one fairly soon. And and uh, what, what would you base that on? Is it about immigration? Is it about asylum? It's, about, it's not just about immigration, Fran. So here's, we have, uh, we have, we clearly have a problem, Fran, with immigration, okay? Yeah. Uh, if you go to Limerick, to the hospital today, Fran, it's like a war zone down mm. there, okay? There's mm. two things. Uh, this climate change, uh, Fran, uh, is... Uh, it, it's all bonkers, friend. I mean, we have we have a minister in Eamon Ryan, okay, telling us we can't cut our own turf to heat our own homes. We can't take peat off the bogs to power our power stations, but we can take peat off the bogs and export it to Japan and Australia for them to burn it because that doesn't make any difference to the climate. And we can't make our own briquettes, friend. If we are making them, we're charging poor old creators seven and eight euro a bale to buy one of them. But somehow we can import briquettes from. Uh, hmm. Eastern Europe in Latvia, and, and as, Lithuania, as I and discovered, and as I discovered over Christmas, they're and dreadful briquettes. They're, they're only they're dreadful. pure. Sh- yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, Shite, I agree Shite. with you. That's what they are. Um, where is it going to end? Do you think we need to put a cap on numbers at this point? Is of that... course, we need to put a cap on numbers, friend. A, 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 a child could see that, friend. It's like it's mm. quite simple, friend. If I have ten beds. Okay, and I can offer ten people refuge in ten beds. There's no point in me turning around, friend, and telling a hundred people I can offer them refuge. Right. It makes no sense right, because Zero you can't sense. look after them properly. No, no, you can't look after them properly, friend. And listen, friend, we if if if, if the government in this country can't look after our own, I mean, we're literally now, friend, living in a so-called republic. Okay, mm. in the proclamation it says we should treat all children of the nation, uh, cherish them, and treat them equally. Okay, mm. yet somehow we have three or four thousand children in this country living in hotel rooms in emergency. Com- accommodation and in some cases in squalor we have children eating off paper plates outside the gpo imagine that an iconic building like the gpo and we have children sitting outside eating off paper plates from soup kitchens why are Basically we t- why are we tolerating it justin well we're tolerating it from because i am of the belief that over the last couple of years the government and the mainstream media have uh they have people thinking in particular ways that they're afraid to share their opinion they're afraid to say this because they'll be branded a racist. They're afraid to have an opinion on the vaccine and on COVID. And, 
yeah, I, I think it's all. Been, do you, do you uh, think there's a single narrative on all these things? There's well, a... well, well, well. I don't know now, Fran, because uh, 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 this opinion is a little bit strong. Maybe I, uh, you know, I don't really care what people think that what my opinion is. But uh, my opinion, Fran, on that is that uh, while we live in a democracy or a so-called democracy, and we get to go to the ballot box to vote for Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil or Sinn Féin or whoever. The reality is it doesn't really matter who we vote for because we're part of the European Union and while the intentions of the European Union were good in the 70s when we joined, the European Union has now turned into a cesspit of red tape, bureaucracy, boys in suits and pen pushers telling us what to do. And we elect our government and we elect our European representatives and they go over and they bow their head and say, yes, sir, OK, sir, how many bags, sir? We've sold out our fishing industry, we've sold out our sugar industry. Every, everything that you... You speak very eloquently about this, <laughs> but everything you're saying to me, it sounds hopeless because you're but saying that, e- hopeless, that we Fran, can't even a... vote for change no, now because well, you don't no, think there will be change. Is no, that there it? won't be change because, listen, Fran, if there's a general election in the morning, OK, and just for talk's sake, Sinn Féin win that election, okay? And they're the biggest, our biggest party in power, okay? Along with a few independents or maybe Tina Fall, whoever it is, the dragon behind them, yeah? Uh, it won't make one bit of difference, Fran, because as you can see, while uh, Sinn, uh, Tina Gale are staying quiet on the issue until this point, Tina Fall are staying quiet on the issue on, until this point, and Sinn Féin have also stayed quiet on the issue until this point, as if it wasn't an issue. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, they haven't stayed quite. They, they've all spoken that we, we need to we need to oh, look after people spoken, coming into the country. People, yeah, yeah. And, and, we, and we have to bring in as many as we possibly can. Yeah. But now they're starting to change their tune, friend, because they realise the shit's going to hit the fan. Is this There's because no public opinion is changing? Yes, changing. yes but public, public opinion, friend, was the same six months ago, in my opinion. Only people weren't given a platform to voice their opinion. You see, the danger about it is, too, and we see this with the protest, that it can be infiltrated by people with far-right beliefs. Yes, yes, friend, and, and that have, can cause yes, all sorts of yes, extra friend, you'll issues. Always have the, uh, yes, friend, you have the Irish Freedom Party and all these guys, far-right, actual fascists, I suppose, yeah. um, uh, showing up at these protests. And that's and, the and, danger, isn't it? Well, it is the danger, Fran. But here's the thing, Fran. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just as dangerous, Fran, in my opinion, to have unvetted, okay, African nationals, we don't know where they came from, what their history is, or what they're capable of doing. That's just as dangerous, friend, in my opinion, as having fascists anywhere near uh, Dáil Éireann or in government. Just yeah. as dangerous. So you're concerned so, about the, some of the people that are here already, is that fair to say, because they haven't been vetted? Uh, yes, well, of course, friend. Of course, yeah. if they're here. They're, friend, all you need to do is go on to the... You, you won't hear it on, on, on the majority of it on RTE or whatever, but you need to just go on Twitter or do a bit of research online, and there's videos of busloads of these guys, friend, being offloaded in, in, in both cities and villages in the middle of the night in some cases. Uh, they don't look like uh, refugees to me, friend, because usually refugees, friend, look tired and their shoes might be of, uh, in, great, uh, in great condition and the likes. These guys are coming in, Fran, with no runners on them, the best right. of gear, iPhones and, and what have you in their hands. Well, uh, you know, if they're refugees, Fran, well, then it's all over. Like. Can I ask you one question, though, Justin? And if, if for instance, this morning, and I'm sure it's the case, there may be a Ukrainian family or a few Ukrainian families listening to the radio this morning, yeah. and they may take what you're saying as... You know, remarks that uh, makes here, them I, feel I, low I, you know, and makes them feel I, I, unwanted yeah, I, and uncared you, for. I'll give you my opinion, friend, straight up, okay? Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, 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 I'm in the north of the county, friend, okay? And okay. ten miles out the road, friend, there's a house. A big house owned by wealthy people, okay? Hmm. There's 40 or 50 Ukrainians in the house. Both right. men, women and children, okay? Okay. Now, friend, as I stated at the beginning, if 
women and children have to flee a war because they're being bombarded, okay? Mm. That's no problem. Yes. But 12 months ago, Fran, we were all told in the media, oh, there's a war going on in Ukraine with the Russians, and the Ukrainians, uh, if they're aged between the age of 18 and 50 or 60 or whatever age it was, yes. they weren't allowed to leave, okay? That's they right. Were they were a fighting Ukraine, age, yes. Yes, they were mm. a fighting age, Fran, and they weren't allowed to leave. They were breaking the law. Mm. I can bring you, Fran, out to a house 10 miles out the road, okay, mm. where there's at least 10 Ukrainian men mm. of fighting age, big, fine, strong, fit, healthy men, mm. okay, being put up. I don't want you to be specific, but there are there are caveats to that that rule, though. I mean, if they were family men, for example, they could travel outside of the country. They could, Fran. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, you I mean, see, it's just a bit strange to me, Fran, that uh, all these all these the Ukrainians, as I said, Fran, women and children or whatever, mm. if they're playing a, a war in will it be uh, Ukraine or mm. or or Afghanistan yeah, or you, Iraq. You, you well, have we, no problem we, with that. We, we don't seem to worry about the ones in Afghanistan or Iraq, friend. We only seem to worry about... Or, when or, it, or it, Syria back it, in the day. Or either. Syria, yes, friend, yeah. yeah. We mm. only seem to worry about when the colour of their skin is different, friend. That's when we seem to worry. Well, but, that's, uh, that's interesting because a refugee spoke to me on this programme and said there's two tiers now of refugees and that's, and it could be due to skin colour, which is a whole yeah. other discussion, but there yeah, you but go. That's, yes, yeah, that's, that's the more divide and conquer, friend, you know? Yeah. All right, Justin, good to talk to you today and uh, okay, thank friend. you for your opinion. Thank you. Look no after problem, yourself. Bye-bye to you bye now. Bye-bye. That's uh, Justin speaking to us this morning. How do you feel about that? Do you, do you agree? I'm just looking at the screen here and to be honest with you, what I can read just off the... Off the bat here is that most people, uh, if not everybody, agreeing with what Justin is uh, saying. Do you not agree? Let, let, let's get some balance on this. Do you, do you disagree with him? Um, 0833113311. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. A huge reaction to uh, Justin's uh, chat with us this morning. Austin on from the UK this morning and he says not all immigrants are terrorists, Fran. There are 400,000 Irish born in the UK. They have housing and A&E problems here as well. Perhaps if the UK evicted the 400,000 or prevented Irish folks moving here, it would resolve the UK problem. See how it works says uh, Austin and uh, that's providing a bit of balance there and thank you for that 083 311 Mary joins me now Mary good morning to you Good morning friend uh, Good to talk to you today Mary what about your own um, take on all of this Let, let's begin with the homelessness here uh, where Irish people are concerned Mary Well first of all um, yesterday I, I didn't catch all of it but I caught enough hmm. And I suppose there was a range of emotions. Um, the first one was disbelief. Mm. Second one was anger. And the third one was an overwhelming sadness to think that on our streets here in town, we have a husband and wife and three very young children mm. sleeping in a two-man tent. And what Anna said yesterday was correct. There are so many houses boarded up in this town. So many. So many vacant. Why aren't they available? 
And is, is that your experience, Mary, of Clonmel, that there's plenty of houses available? Oh, there if, is. Yeah. There is, Fran. There mm. is. She is right. You go to any of those estates that the girl mentioned, and more, mm. and there are vacant, empty houses. I'm, I'm not 100% if I'm correct on this, but I gather that when anybody moves out of one of those houses, mm. they have to be, according to the council, Got it, yes, more or less. they have to be brought up to a certain standard that is expensive and takes a, a, a lot of time to do. But what about if the standard is okay? Hmm. Surely, as she said yesterday, in emergencies, yeah. if it's habitable, it's better than sleeping in a tent. Well, Mary, I remember a, a chap talking to me here and saying that he was willing to do the work on a vacant house himself. himself. He was willing and to he take it on. Given it. And he, he wouldn't be no, given it. No. No. No, he wouldn't. I mean, there's something there's something fundamentally wrong in this yes. country. There's something rotten actually. Do you think so? And I'm not I do, and I'm not sure even what it is. Now, I listened to Justin there mm. very carefully. Mm. And uh, it's, it saddens me, but I agree with a lot of what he said. Yes. In fact, most of it. Why does it sadden you, Mary? It saddens me because I think I never thought I, I would come to a point where I would say, okay, enough. We don't, we can't bring in any more people. We can't. And he is right. A child would see that friend. Yes. And uh, this this is not with any hatred against anybody Absolutely. or with any... Absolutely. Listen, yeah. I, you know, as he said, I'm at the stage now where the people who know me and who care about me and that I care about know there isn't a racist bone in my body. What yes. anybody else thinks, honestly, yeah. friend at this point you, in my life. In any case, yeah. no, yeah. I don't. Uh, I so, so what you're saying, Mary, about. this is a capacity issue. We, we can it only is. cope with X amount of people. Exactly. Yeah, and, and to look after them properly, because we heard about Ukrainian people living in tents last week as well down in Clare. So, oh, yes. You know, oh, yes, we did. Which is, and the other thing here is that we had a housing crisis here before ever. I mean, the Ukrainians are only coming in here with 12 months. Mm-hmm. Good point. We had a housing crisis long before that. For years. For years. Yes. And yes, Roderick O'Gorman and his cronies see fit to bring, I don't know, is it 70,000, 80,000 at this point? Mm. And as he said yesterday, we have to up our capacity. Yes, by by people who are fleeing the effects of climate change, we need to to look after them as well. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And, you know, Justin had a very good point there. You know, we can't burn our own fossil fuel, Mm. but we can send it to countries that have a worse climate problem than we have. So is there hypocrisy everywhere? Total. Absolute and utter total hypocrisy. Mm. And it's the lack of now, before I say anything else, I know the people that that girl, that Anna met in the council, they're doing their job. Mm. Mm. There's a right way and a wrong way to do your job. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend anybody, but there is a right way and a wrong way to do your job. A little bit of empathy never mm. kills anybody. 
Now, in, in fairness, I suppose maybe these workers are overwhelmed with people coming to them and they can't fix things for them because the resources no, aren't there. I, so I, I can imagine that it's frustrating yeah. and difficult for them, but I agree with you. There should be empathy and there should be courtesy should be, and look, politeness and all of that. Speak, like a little bit of sympathy never kills anybody. Yes. Do you know? And I think this is another problem in our country. That there's an awful lot of people. The I'm all right, Jack, mm. mentality. But Justin is 100% correct in what he said, Fran. And he's also correct in the fact that people are afraid to speak out mm. because they will be termed racist. Yes. It has nothing to do with race. It has to do with the fact that we can't cope in this country. We can't look after our own, either in the health system, the housing system, anything. And yes. yes. And, and can I ask your opinion as well about the other point he brought up, which is people coming into the country without being vetted in some way. Is that of concern to you, Mary? It is, because I think I, 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 think I, spoke, I, think I mentioned this to you before, or maybe it was just online. I found it extra... You know, they wonder why people that applied to take in, and I have to say Ukrainian refugees in this instance, because it was. And there was thousands of people that offered mm. to take in. And very, very few of those uh, Irish citizens actually housed Ukrainians. And why, problem, why do you think that was the case? i tell you why, and i mm. tell you what would stop me. Mm. That I would have to be vetted by the Gardaí. You would? Yeah. I would have to get a clean mm. start. And your family. Exactly. Mm. But the family I'd be taking in mightn't have a passport. Mm. Nothing. No vetting. No nothing. So you have to be vetted as the host, but you're saying to yes. me that who, you, who you're Bring taking in, in you, you're not quite sure what their background is. Or... Exactly. How can you be sure if there's no vetting, then? I'm not for one minute saying, and I do say it, loudly, you know, because the first God help us at this point if somebody is killed in the country the first thing that's said is oh, what nationality was he? The murderer, I mean I, you know um, we have enough of those in our own country we don't need to bring in Ukrainians or anybody else to do that, mm. but yes they should be vetted and vetted properly but apart from that anyway, as I said, and you know, enough I, I, Matty McGrath, I think, and I seldom agree with Matty, but Matty was the first one to say, I think, that a cap should be brought on this. And and you believe that at this point? And do you think that we that the numbers as they are now that that is where the cap should be? Is, is this it as far as you're concerned? I don't listen. It was it six, five, six months ago. Right. Mary, good Should to talk I? to you today and thank you for your contribution to the programme. Thanks, Mary. Thank Thanks you. a million, friends. Thank bye-bye, you. bye-bye. Bye-bye to you as well. Uh, that's uh, Mary talking to us there. Uh, 1800-938-007. Now, as we made reference to when I was speaking to Justin and indeed to Mary, the asylum system will have to be expanded to include a new category and that's for people fleeing the effects of climate change and that's according to the Integration Minister, Roderick O'Gorman. Well, Willie joins me now. Good morning, Willie. Ryan, how are you keeping? Uh, I'm keeping very well indeed. Happy New Year to you, Willie. What what do you make of uh, this? Because your correspondence with us said, where is it all going to stop? Yeah, well, I just think the man the town. Obviously, it wouldn't surprise me. He's a tragedy of of, uh, Eamon Ryan. Um, I mean, where is it all going to stop? The the reality is they want to bring him in 
from countries threatened with climate change. The biggest cause of climate change uh, in, in, in any part of the world is overpopulation. In Africa, where most of these are going to come from, Fran, you have, we'll say, pick out just 53 countries in Africa. Nigeria, 211 million. 211 million. Ethiopia, 118 million. I'll name a few others. Egypt, Congo, Tanzania, South Africa, Kenya. Their population ranges from 54 to 92 million in each of those countries. Right. And what are you saying? Are you saying that if there's a shift of numbers from... Uh, that continent, we're talking about huge numbers. Is that is that what you mean? Unreal, Fran. Unreal. I mean, that is the biggest cause of the biggest threat to humanity. Right. Is overpopulation. And could, Since 1922, could I presume, Fran, could I presume, I'm sorry for cutting your question, could I presume what Roderick O'Gorman's answer to you would be, well, hold on now a moment, these people didn't contribute to the issues of climate change. We in the West did largely, and we have to pay a price for that. Well, that would be the greatest load of bullshit ever, friend, for the simple reason. Uh, the Muslim countries in Africa, the amount of children being born to, to the average, and I won't even call them families because they could have five or six wives, because all child marriage out there, friend, the, the young girls will be married off at the age of 12. By the time they're 30, friend, they could have 10 or 14 children. Right? Mm. They have tried, I've seen in a case, uh, I saw it on, I think it was BBC or, or, or one of those programmes that are even, a girl tried to escape from her marriage. She was like 14. She tried to escape three times and the family took her back to her husband. The Muslim idea out in those countries, Fran, is to, over, is, is to populate as quick as possible. That's, that's even when they come to England. Right, and well, have a good few of them have come to England. Well, that, you know, that, that was the Catholic ethos for an awful lot of years as well, Willie. You know, big families were encouraged and how, all of that. Come, and even with Dave and Attenborough, how come it always comes back to the Catholic and to the Pope and to the, you know... Well, it's just, you mentioned the, the, you mentioned the encouragement from a religious well, organisation to, to have reality, large families. Yeah, but the reality is, Fran, the reality is the average Catholic will understand if he can't afford, if he can't afford to feed his family, if he can't put a roof over their head, he won't have children. But you're willing, your grandparents and stuff, they all had huge families and the, they were on the verge of starvation. And they minded, and they minded them, Fran, and no one else had to mind them. They they but the, them but there no was no opportunity for, for contraception and there was no opportunity for, you know, in fact it was frowned upon to the point of you were you were pointed towards purgatory and hell if you were to indulge Brand, in that. stop going off. The, 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 we, we came on to talk about... I know, but uh, I'm just... Taking in, I, taking I, I'm just taking in, uh, absolutely, um, but you, you spoke to me about about yeah. uh, the, the Muslim religion encouraging large violence. I was just making the point that it's not yeah. just... The, anyway, do go on. I beg your pardon, Willie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the fact is, friend, how are we going to mind them? How we, how we can't mind our own? There's not there's been nothing about it, Fran, but about three weeks ago, uh, there was a young girl from Shannon, tw- uh, 16 years of age, went to the university hospital in Limerick and was left in a trolley until she it was too late to treat yeah, her. It was a dreadful too tragedy. late, too yeah. late. But there's been nothing yeah. about it, Fran. And and that 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. We can't mind our own, Fran. We're letting we're we're going to open the doors. This seems to be the green policy. Open the doors. I mean, the, the green policies, as far as I'm concerned, Fran, are are, are, are real wrong. Right. You know, they're real wrong. They should be they should be focusing on what's the important thing. Like humanity is going to be gone, Fran, in about another. They're they're saying about uh, by the end of this century, there's going to be ten billion people. There's eight billion at the minute. 
8 billion. Most of them are in, in Africa, Fran. Uh, there's 1.4 million in... And what not, point, not Julie, are you saying we can't, we, can't, we can't look after that sort of population? Is that not what you're saying? Not a hope, Fran. Yeah. Not a hope. Look, at the way it is, Fran, the way it is at the moment, Fran, if, if the world keeps going the way it's going, Fran, mm. uh, what do you... Have you children, Fran? I have indeed. Uh, they're grown uh, up. Have you grandchildren? I don't. No, not yet. Well, down the road, Fran, can you, can you envisage what kind of a world is going to be there for your grandchildren? It's going to be a strange one, for sure. It's, uh, will it even exist? One. Will yeah. it even exist? Unless there's some, uh, some, something, someone called Paul, Fran. Unless right. someone calls Paul. The African people, Fran, would have to mind themselves. They can't be expected to come into Europe what? and take over. Well, could could I make a point to you on that, Willie? And it's not to be argumentative. Well, could I, could I point out to you the amount of countries that have gone into Africa over centuries and, ra- Ireland, and, raped, and raped the country of their resources and yeah. continue to do so? And, yes. and, and uh, these people continue to live in poverty without being able to benefit from the huge resources. Well, hold on now, Fran. Uh, first of all, I'd like to go back to a point made by uh, a British fellow there a few minutes ago, Austin, who said about 400,000 Irish. Yes, he did. Yeah. He did, yeah. Well, he's an Irish well, guy living in, in UK, yeah. Well, he'd want to cop on, Fran, because it was England came into this country, they took everything that was of any use here, they killed us, starved us, murdered us, raped us, and if whatever whatever the Irish are doing out in England now, they owe us. Right. They, they, they cut all the oak, oak trees in this country, friend, to make cop and ships for the Irish to be travelled out to America. Mm. Um, coming back to coming back to Africa, friend, the Irish didn't go out there and take anything. You know, mm. we seem to be the puppy dogs of of, of the world, taking everyone's for, for everyone else's mistake. Right. The reality is, friend, unless the, unless the biggest threat to, to climate change and to humanity, and people need to wake up, the biggest threat is overpopulation. Since a, since a hundred years ago, friends, since the time of Collins and De Valera, there was somewhere around one and a half billion. Mm. Now we're at eight billion. It is like ants all around. And, the and uh, what what would your solution be where that is concerned? Well, the first solution is this, friend. Uh, you know, I don't want to sound harsh. I don't want to sound harsh. And in actual fact, for the last ten or twelve years, I've been given concern twenty-seven euros a month. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it'll put over twelve years. You see, see it. If I could give it to someone like Greenpeace, I don't think there's even a Greenpeace in Ireland. There's some crowd like called Friends of the Earth and mm. they're this over it. It's like, I think we need to get, and even uh, and even, and even uh, the likes of Greta, Gut- Greta Thunberg and yes. David Attenborough, there's no kind of standout person. If we had more of a, should I say, a sexier kind of person. Leadership. Uh, to, to leadership. Yeah. Leadership. Who's going to look at Greta Thunberg? Who's going to look at David Attenborough? Well, a lot of people look to, to Greta. In fact, uh, politicians are scrambling to get a photograph with her, you know. So. Uh, yeah, but you know, she's not She's not going to catch the eye of the, you know, and, and the younger people, Fran, I mean, I looked back in school again and I'd be organising that the children in this country, Fran, they should be stopping going to school until until right. real until real uh, progress is made on this climate calamity. Right, but but let me just bring you back to to your solution to the overpopulation as you see it, Willie. What what is your solution to that? Well, I'll tell you this one solution. Well, I'll tell you what the solution is in France. The solution isn't bringing all uh, the, the, the climate uh, right. migrants But what, what is into you, Ireland. You're like a politician to me now, Willie. What is your solution? Come <laughs> 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 fine, you're getting good. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the cheek of you. Go uh, on, Willie. What is your solution? Fact, well, well I'll, I'll tell you what it is, Fran. I'll yeah. tell you what it is. I think, right, mm. and I could be wrong, is educate those girls in those countries and get them out of that cycle of poverty 
get them out of that cycle. You see those people, those the, the, the males in those countries, they're useless. They do no work. Oh, the girls do no other that. work. You can't I'm say telling you, the girls, go, the girls, the girls do all the work out in those countries. Right. The girls do all the work in those but countries. But the girls they're do an awful lot of work here as well. I know that, but yeah. the girls, the girls, but they're appreciated more here, friend. Yeah, they're sure they're, they're married off. They're married yeah. off, friend. I told you, they're married off at twelve. They're like breeding rabbits out there. They happen to hope. Do you think that's the life they want? You think that's the life they want? If the mindset was changed in those countries for those girls, friend, to be educated, to give them a career, to give them a life. Right. But there's they're, all sorts they're, of, they're, they're children, there's all sorts of issues with, with uh, justice in these countries and with, with political leadership and, yes, you know, there's yes, despots yes. there. You have and, you it with know. the Muslim because you cannot... The girl is, is she's only a breeding machine. All right. She's we only must, a breeding must, machine. We must leave it there, Willie. Hey, you're like the politician now, friend. You're running when, you're running when I get a little bit controversial. <laughs> Good, <laughs> luck, Willie. Good, Good luck, Willie. Good luck. Bye-bye, Willie. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That's Willie speaking. I think I'm exhausted. I'll take a break. <laughs> Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Can I just acknowledge the huge amount of generosity that we um, experienced yesterday following Ali's interview uh, with Anna and uh, hearing the plight of that uh, family. People were so generous and decent and got in touch with us and... Uh, anyway, uh, really, really looked after things and uh, made sure that that family were not exposed to the elements last night. So again, my thanks to everybody who um, were so kind to us yesterday. Anne-Marie joins me now. Anne-Marie, good morning to you. Hi, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Great to talk to you today. You've concerns about that other big story, which is that uh, there's shortages where medication is concerned, Anne-Marie. Yeah, I've kind of been listening to a lot of stories. I've heard things online and listening to different people doing interviews here and there. Yeah. And at the same time, it is scary. Like, it's genuinely scary to think that there could be possibly a shortage of very important medications. And I, I know that you need medication yourself, Anne-Marie, so is, is it personally scary to you? Is it... Uh... Well, it would be. And then, and then, of course, apart from my own meds now, like, I'd be on... Six, I'm on six medications a day for the heart. Right. And one of those meds, which I heard mentioned on something during the week, was about uh, blood pressure medication. Yes. <clears throat> now, one of my meds for the heart would be a blood pressure medication to maintain a low blood pressure, even though I don't have a problem. Mm. But it's to maintain it for to keep the heart healthy, as healthy as can be. And I suppose it, it is a worry. And at the same time then, of course, us Irish, I think we have a tendency to panic. Yeah, and, and, and that's scaring you, is it? The notion of panic buying. Yeah, rushing in. It wasn't long ago, Fran, when... I think it was the beginning of COVID and you couldn't get toilet rolls inside right. in the supermarket. That's right, yeah. And bre- bread. Do you remember? They all bread. ran out and bought the bread, yeah. One day of frost and snow or ice and sleet and bang, you have no sliced pans in the shop. <laughs> it's such an Irish thing, isn't it? But, I know. And but does that you know, worry you? Because Jimmy O'Sullivan, the pharmacist from Feather, made this point yesterday. He he, he was saying to people, do not panic buy. Wait, it'll, it's yeah. only going to make things worse. Yeah, that's where I'd be worried now that people are just panic buy and then you have the likes of Talpol and Nurofen mm. for the younger kids. Yeah. And I had an episode there the two weeks before Christmas hit 
my youngest granddaughter got that virus, the throat and the headaches and oh, all so that. Strep A or is it? But she didn't get it too severe now. She right. didn't need antibiotics or anything. I maintained her at home and isolated her the same as I would if she had COVID. Mm. Because I was afraid the others would get it in yes, the house. Yes, of course, yeah. And I was trying to keep her away from the oldest granddaughter at the same time because she's due to go on a big trip on Saturday with the school. Right, right. So I didn't want her getting sick. She's going on a skiing holiday, her first ever foreign holiday. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, so I was kind of maintaining that. And at the same time, I'd always have a bottle of Calpol or Nurofen. But the thoughts of going in and not being able to get it would actually yeah. give you that little fear factor. What, what did you make? I'm not sure whether or not you heard Jimmy O'Sullivan speaking. It was yesterday. But he said, we're the only country in Europe where the pharmacist cannot make a decision about changing somebody's medication to an alternative, uh, that they can't do that. Now, it's the only country in Europe where that is the case. So, in other words, you have to go back to your doctor. So, this is going to cost you more money, take more time for you to get an alternative, where the pharmacist is perfectly capable of doing that. Well, I, one of my medications, um, I went into, I get a monthly prescription, you know, for all the heart meds. Yes. And it was about two or three months back, I went in to collect them. And my chemist actually told me, and I'm using the same person with, I'd say, 20-odd years now. And one of my medications, I looked at the box and I thought, that's that's not my med. (laughs) And he explained it to me that the one I was on, I don't know for what reason, but it would have to be changed. And he just gave me a different brand. But it was the same med, basically. So it could have been a generic brand or something, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's yeah. just a different brand, but it, it was the same thing. It would do the same job. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, so. same one, one about the meds that I'm on as well. It, it, it looked to me, it was I thought it was a mistake. It was a different name, but no, seemingly yeah. it has the same effect and all of that. It does the same job, yeah. It's just a different brand. I, yeah. I don't know, is it because it's cheaper or is it because they're kind of out of stock of it? Yeah, I'm not sure. The other but thing I, that I emerged that buy, when we're, we're buying drugs into this country, seemingly we're buying it at such a low level that when shortages happen, we're at the end of the totem pole then in terms of being able yeah. to get drugs into the country. So that's it's another yeah. mess that's up by our, 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 our well. health yeah. executive. Yeah. 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 What are you making about the discussion about the homelessness and all of that, Anne-Marie? Because I know you'd be socially conscious. How, what are you making about all of this? It's just, it's terrible to see it, and especially that lovely family sleeping rough in the mm. tent. Yeah. I mean, we're just children concerned, especially. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, my heart went out when I heard the story yesterday morning about it. And um, yeah. at the same time, I know people that have been in a homeless situation, and they've been sofa couch surfing or sofa surfing, whatever they call it. Yes. And like, in this day and age, it's terrible to see it. Of course, yeah. It and, is, and very I, sad. I hope you don't mind my bringing it up, uh, Anne-Marie, but your late brother was, was in that situation, wasn't he? That's right, he was. Um, he he had his own demons, as you know, and yes. he spent some time in prison when he came out. He had nowhere to go. Yeah. And he ended up sleeping rough, and he, he ended up ultimately dying where he was sleeping rough in the old Clonmel Arms. And he you had know? been clean in prison, but when he came out... He, there, there, there was no services within, to look after him. Within, there was nothing for him. He went to see a counsellor at one point, and I'd say he wasn't out of prison, I'd say, 24 hours, and the dealers knew he was out, and they were straight down to him. And he was back on stuff, heroin and so on and so forth. And as it happened, I, I spoke to him, in fact. I was down at the soup kitchen, and I, I, I spoke yeah. to him, and we, we put that out on... And within a short time, he had he had passed away. That's right, yeah. yeah. He, was, he was found on the 3rd of May... In, oh he was three days apparently got dead in the room 
really sound. So when you hear about stuff like this and lack of services and lack of help and stuff, it must bring all that back to you, Anne-Marie. It does. It goes in and out through me now. It really cuts a card with me and having dealt with that. And then, of course, I would have a few friends and there would be a few others I would have kind of helped in the past. And I see them doing really well for themselves now. And then at the same time, any day of the week you go down that town, there is several others mm. that you would see. They'd be known to people on the town. And it's a shame to see it in this day and age. And have you any doubt that if there was help, if there was proper services and proper resources, but that people yeah. could be saved? Well, I do believe with, with the right help and the right resources, and especially if, you know, the biggest mistake ever made was taking away St. Michael's unit for people that needed the mental health yeah. help. Because yeah. mental health problems and drug addiction and all that, they go hand in hand. And to be one, you have to get the help with the other. And some of them people, they just don't get the right help and they end up on the streets. And they end up doing the drugs. And by doing the drugs, they're going to end up homeless because they're going to have nothing. Anne-Marie, so, it's always good to talk to you and I wish you well and to your family as well, Anne-Marie. Thank you for thanks talking. Thanks very much, Thank you, and Happy bye-bye. New Year to you. Many happy returns to you, Anne-Marie. Thank you. 1800 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Good Pat, and uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. You can speak to Emma for free, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Now, yesterday we spoke to Michael O'Dowd, whose son Connor has delivered a letter to Professor Fergal Malone, who is Master of Dublin's Rotunda Hospital, in response to comments that he made in December that 95% of parents uh, diagnosed with the Down syndrome baby there chose an abortion. And this sparked an awful lot of reaction from our listeners. And William joins me now. William, good morning to you. Morning, Fan. And good to talk to you today, William. What did you make of uh, that figure of 95%? Yes, it's very high, but I suppose it's also a very sad reflection of the country or the kind of, kind of world we live in. Mm. And, and, and tell me your thoughts on it. Look, I suppose... Uh, I suppose for, for someone coming who don't have a family, it's probably disappointing to hear that when people find that they have a Down syndrome, that they're carrying a Down syndrome child, that they wish not to carry that pregnancy any further. So I think anyone that has Down syndrome children said that they wouldn't swap them for the world. Um, they're said the most loving, caring people, you know, the children in the world. There is, however, for, if I can be advocate here in some way, William, there, there's huge issue with services. And if you're you know, if if your baby has any kind of a disability, you start the fight from birth, really, for services for them or for them to be looked after properly. So it dominates and takes over your life. Can you understand why people might be daunted by that? Look, you know, we all know people who have people who have disabilities. We have them here in our own parishes, mm-hmm. and you know, they're they're losing out on cares allowance where I know one couple here in their own parish and a good friend of mine and, and his wife is, is just receiving 26 euros a week for caring for their mm-hmm. disabled child and yeah and maybe some people aren't able to 
to fund that dis- disabled child. <clears throat> mm. Yeah, were you surprised to hear that past the twelve weeks as well that uh, women are still travelling abroad for uh, abortions at that point at uh, that later point? Did that surprise you to hear that as well? No, no. I think it's you know I think it's well known now that <clears throat> excuse me that people are have been travelling abroad for a number of years to terminate their pregnancy and look, I suppose that's their that's their choice, isn't it? Yeah. But it is, you know, it is sad that but people that even are forced, maybe are not forced, but make that decision to to go down that route. Yeah, I was particularly saddened <laughs> when Michael spoke about his son Connor, who has Down syndrome himself, delivering that letter and being hurt, and people he knew with Down syndrome being hurt by uh, those comments as well. That was particularly sad, wasn't it? Ah, uh, yeah. Look, that's you know this that man is he, you know he has his Down syndrome child with him, and and you know loves that young boy probably to death and, and to see the other people don't don't have that same empathy with him I suppose it, it, it's probably hard to accept Yeah Do you think the figure would change if services were better than they are here if and if we looked after our families with, with uh, disabled children No I don't think I don't think so I, I think some people just you know and I suppose can't criticise them either, but they want the perfect child, and I suppose who doesn't? But what you, what you, the, the, you know, the path that you, you have and the path that you have to cross in, in, in life, and whatever cross you have to carry with you, that's your, you know what I mean? That's what you have to live, and um, yeah. I suppose with or without children. And if I you suppose don't have what, children, what or who is the perfect child? I suppose as well. Really. All the per- yeah. perfect child is the per- child is able to get up, dress themselves, yeah. um, eat their breakfast, and run off and play with their mates. The Down syndrome child is for those people maybe might not be the perfect child that's not able to do those things that are maybe more reliant on, on having help and you know, to be cared for for the rest of their life. But, but what I've been told people with Down syndrome is that those children are, ex- and are are extremely intelligent but cannot at times express their, their feelings. Yes. <clears throat> and and do, you, do you think, is it an indication of where we are in this country right now that we have a figure like that? I, I think to be fair, it's fair, a position that we're in, no matter where we are in the world, it's, it's, that seems to be more the, the, the picture with people that just don't want, you know, they don't want to be blessed with trouble in their life, they want everything, you know, we all want everything to work out perfectly for us, no matter who we are, we want everything right. But it doesn't work out that way. You've, you know what I mean, about road we are length we live in our lives we're, we're, going to, we're going to have to carry a cross at some stage and some people are have to carry that cross with a young child from, from a very young age William really good to talk mm-hmm. to you today and thank you for coming on with me in response to that thank you and good morning no to you William bye 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 to you now that's uh, William speaking to us this morning let's go to a, a gentleman who frequently contributes uh, to uh, the show and a man we're very fond of indeed George Hogg is with me George good morning to you good morning to your friend and happy new year to you and many happy <laughs> returns to you as well George would you just remind listeners about your son George my son Christopher he's 36 years of age now mm. and uh, he has a syndrome called Kabuki it's a, he was first diagnosed with it in Ireland about when he was about 13 and a half. He was attending criminal hospital for three times a year since he was uh, a year and a half till he was 18. And then when he was 13, we had an appointment with a surgeon, with a special doctor, and he couldn't believe that he came across a child with this syndrome because he worked with a Japanese professor that actually discovered it. And that's how we found out Christopher had a special needs. Right, so and a very then, rare condition, George. It's very, very rare, yes. He yeah. could have 101 things wrong with him. All he is, Christopher, has is an intellectual disability. 
Now, he could have 101 things wrong and touch wood, he hasn't, but he is still special needs. Now, and my boy with special needs and talking about that, my boy is on the Special Olympics uh, bowling team for Munster. Right. And he bowled Fantastic. in the Irish finals in Dublin in 2018. He got a fourth place in the singles and himself and the partner that the club he was with got fifth in the doubles. Isn't that and brilliant? In 2019, when he qualified for the uh, regional finals in Ennis, he got a gold medal. Uh, you must have been so proud of him. We are so... It's un- Look, listen, anybody with a special needs child should be proud of them because... They, I'm not going to condemn anyone that has uh, an abortion, but uh, Frank, like you're raising a child with an intellectual disability or any other kind of disability takes huge courage, hard work and the abundance of love. And they will give you back so much love anyway. But imagine as young parents trying to come to terms with a child's diagnosis. And and tell me about that, George. What was that like at the at the time? Now you didn't get a, a diagnose a proper diagnosis for a lot of years, but but still there was an intellectual disability yes. there all the time. Was it? So what was that like when you discovered well, that first? It was unbelievable. Because, no, it wasn't really unbelievable because we had we had problems with Christopher all his life, and he was from the time he was born yes. until such time that he was taught that he had that that he had what he had. Now, when Crystal was born, and he was he would be four or five years behind in everything, like in his toiletry, he's speaking, he's walking, and um, even going to school, he was he couldn't he wasn't able to cope with going. We sent him to our own uh, local school here because they were looking for a remedial teacher there, yes. and uh, now that didn't go down well in the school anyway because the teacher I was with him couldn't understand. She had no practice or no mm. uh, education on how to look after a child with special needs. Yes, because it's and, a specialist uh, yes, exactly. area, that isn't was, it? Yeah. That was 30 years ago. And and tell me, though, about getting your head around that, because did you have to begin the fight pretty much immediately for services and for him to be looked after? Uh, we, we attended a clinic uh, every once a year for about 13 years in the clinic in Carmel, and he went before a board, myself, Christopher and Margaret, and he was shot down, and our Margaret was shot down every year for any kind of help from the financial help. But no, they're entitled to different monies in that because we couldn't say what he exactly had. Oh, I see. You didn't have a, a diagnosis and We such. didn't have a diagnosis as such, exactly. Yes. Wow. Now, he was going to skull karma from the time he was six years of age till he was 18. Even and though it was obvious that he had a disability, George. It was obvious that he had a disability. But, but the, you still, still yeah. weren't looked after because we're of still, that. No, we still weren't looked after. Not indeed, we oh. were not. And even to this day, people with special needs children don't be looked after properly. You take when a lady, when a mother becomes an old age pensioner, now, as small and all as the uh, allowance that they get for him, when they become, when you become uh, an old age pensioner, that allowance is cut in half. The the caring allowance. The caring allowance is cut in half. Oh my God! Because they say, are you well, serious? They, yes, they tell you that you can't get two government allowances, two government pensions. Now, which is ridiculous. Now they can give money to everything and anything, but cutting the carers' allowance by half is ridiculous. It's, stu- it's, it's so. Yeah. It's, and, it's and can, can you understand then, George, why parents might hear your story, for example, or similar stories, and then say, "Look, the services aren't there. I'll I'll be fighting the rest of my life for my child, yeah. and but I may the, choose the uh, option of abortion." 
But no, friend, look, listen, they shouldn't choose the option of abortion. Because, look, if you abort the child, they must never forget that you have never felt that child, you've never seen that child. And not only that, you will never know that the love that that child would have given you because you never knew them. You never knew the child. You never met the child. The amount of love and affection that these children can give to anybody, it doesn't have to be done to any child with any kind of, of disability. The amount of love and feeling that they have, and like they are being left behind by everybody. And I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean everybody. Because when a child with a disability is growing up, the children that they go around, that they go to school with, the kids that they play with in the streets when they're, let's say, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 years of age, or they become into 14 and 15 years of age, those children move away from them. Why? They don't, they, they, they don't want to play with them. They don't, they don't want, want to interact to with, with them. them yes. Yeah. And that, I'm not just talking about kids in the street. I'm talking about family members as well. Yeah. They will come to the house and they will talk to the child. But... When, like, when my boy was uh, 18 and 19 and his brother and sisters got out to discourse, Krista used to stand at the front door and say, uh, uh, Ma'am, Dad, uh, why can't I go? Oh, God. So, and that happens in every house. In every single house that happens. As simple as that. Tell and me about, you, you, you spoke to me very beautifully there about the, the love from from the uh, from, yes. uh, from children with disability. Tell me about Christopher. I mean, did you ever want want it to be different? Did you ever regret? No, never. No. We never ever regret. God, we get the best of enjoyment. You take an ordinary child. How many ordinary children can say that they're special Olympians? Very few. Very few of them. How many children of Christopher's age and when we go bowling, kids be watching him? And I bring a group eight of them bowling every Friday down to the bowling alley at three o'clock. And I have people coming and looking at, they look at them and say, where did they learn? How can they bowl as good as they can bowl? So they have their own special skills and abilities. Exactly. They have their own special abilities. That they have. It is unbelievable. Now, now, the Special Olympics bowling club in Clamwell, that's closed now. So Christopher's going, Christopher goes to Waterford now Hmm. on a a Wednesday bowling at six o'clock. He's joined the Waterford Special Olympics Bowling Club and he loves going down to it. He loves going off. He's meeting new friends the whole lot. Is it fair to say, is it a fair conversation? Christopher has enriched your lives. He has. That he has, yeah. Yeah. That he has. You you wouldn't change that for anything? I would not change that for anything. Christopher is with us every... His bus comes and picks him up in the morning at 10 o'clock. He's back home here again at uh, about half past three every day. And Christopher will have his own things that he likes to do. He will dress up as a referee and he'll go he'll referee a match outside in the garden. He will come in and he has a set of drums, a guitar, a banjo, a bell on. And he will go upstairs and he will litter them and he will to sing and do what he likes with the music it is unbelievable. That's the way it is with him. It's 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 and like you know, people know it's a you tell a person is going to have uh, an abortion, and uh, we say, well, and afterwards, when the child is aborted, they're going to grieve for it. But how can they grieve for something that they never saw? Well, how can that's yeah, yeah, what I can't understand. They cannot grieve for something that you never saw or never felt. 
Well, I, I, I wouldn't presume on how a woman would feel about yeah. that, but I would no. presume that there is a loss there, there is a grief there, I would There imagine. is, yeah, there yeah. is. But, listen, you must be able to see this child. You must see what a child can do during going through their life and all that. Yes. But, but you, like you're of no doubt your life and, and your family's life has have been has enriched changed. by this. Oh, it's unbelievable. Now, my wife looked, I was I walked away from home for years and years. Yeah. I used to be gone on a Monday morning at uh, five o'clock and home on a Friday or a Saturday. And it was Margaret spent most of the time looking after Christopher. Yes. But since I retired now, I do it. I take him everywhere with me. And, and, but but, and, but and here's the thing, George. Did, was Christopher? You you have other children as well, don't you? Yes. Yes. I, I run an organisation in town for children with special needs. Right. And it breaks my heart at times. I run discos for children with special needs above in Hillview every eight or ten weeks. Yeah. And I'm lucky to get about fifteen children turn up. I cannot get people in Clamell to bring their child out with special needs to come and meet us at the discus. Why do you think that is? I don't know if people are ashamed of their children or what they are, but it's it's mind-boggling, mind-boggling. I had a... On my Christmas one this year, I bought Christmas presents for every child I taught So I spent nearly €300 on Christmas presents and finger food. Seven lads turned up, and there were only seven out of the rehab in Clamell. I had no small child, no family where a small child turned up at that disco. Can I I ask you about something else that that has, you know, come to the fore when I've spoken to parents of of, uh, children with disabilities in the past, which is, is there a difficulty in that the likes of Christopher will become the complete centre of attention for the family for the rest yes. of, of your lives. And is that, what, is that an it, issue for the other it is, kids? It is an issue. It's a very, very big issue. And for parents who have a special needs child or who have are right people who are uh, expecting a special needs baby and if they have other children, that will be in front of them. But what they should do is when their child is born and when they get, oh, say, six or seven years of age, the parents should just sit down with one another when they go to bed and talk to another don't end up in an argument. They should all go out together for different places. Make sure that you make arrangements that everybody is included. And don't just pick on your special needs child individually and make them the centrepiece of it. That's what you must do. That's what we do with right. our they must children. Be, they must be part of the family, they but not, not the centre of, the, of, of exactly. the attention. Not the yeah. of does, it, does it make the other kids more sympathetic and have more empathy for people, do you think, But growing up with a sibling that has special needs? No. People, uh, that, people, that, have, people that grow up with children, especially in their families, they don't, they, no, they don't feel any different right. when they're growing up. They don't. Yeah. It's only that when they get bigger and when they move away and they make their own friends outside, this, outside the house yes. and they see you know, that they can't bring their brother or their sister with them in that. But, like, if you go into any restaurant or go into any public house or any place and when, where do you ever see a group of children with special needs sitting down together? Very rarely. Very, very rarely. Very rarely. Yeah. Now, I bring... When most are playing rugby, rugby matches, there is one bar in Clamell that I can... I won't mention the bar. Hmm. But there's one bar that I can bring them into. And they are treated the very same as any other customer. Right. Which is what I they want. Down, Which is what I they would, want. 
it's what they want. I will sit down with them. I'll or I'll get my shorter order or first drink, whatever they're going to get, whatever they're going to get. That'll be coffee or a tea or a, a bottle of beer. Now, if they're drinking a bottle of beer, they're only have they're only allowed to have one or two. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. But they can go up to the counter and they can they'll order their own, and they're taken and talking to as ordinary people. I've had one of our group went in thought that we were most were playing one. I'm going back now about five months ago. Yeah. And he arrived down in, the, in this particular pub, and we weren't there. And he went up to the counter and he ordered his what he was getting to drink. He was having a cup of coffee. Mm. And he was looked after in that pub as though he was an ornament because he was known in there. And, and, the people, and, that's, looked, and that's the way it should be. And, George, yes. George, can I ask you a final question? And I, I'm careful about putting this to you, but I'm sure it plays into people's decision when they find out that their unborn child would have Down syndrome uh, or, or some other disability. Yeah. Do you have concern about when you pass on or your wife passes on about what will happen to Christopher? No, because my daughter is going to look after Christopher. We we have we had worries. No, no you will have worries. Simple. I was. I'm sorry if I said I don't want to. We do have worries. Yeah. We do have worries. But my daughter will look after Christopher for us. Isn't that fantastic? And she's so agreed. She's agreed to that. She has agreed to that. What that a she, wonderful human. Being. And he has yeah. like he has uh, an aunt and uh, her husband who Christopher calls his uncle. They look after him as though they have no children, and they look after Christopher when he corrupts him, as though he's... The, it is unbelievable the way they look after yeah. him, as though he's their choice. Well, aren't, aren't you very friend, lucky with it? Because I know the parents do have that worry, George. Yeah, I know what they do, yes. Yeah. But, friend, look, just one other thing before you go. Like, with the discuss right one, and I, if I can, if you don't mind, if I can ask people... Sure. ...to come to our, our next disco is on Sunday, the 12th of February, at the Valentine's Day disco, up in Hillview. Mm. From 4 o'clock to uh, 7 o'clock. Now, all we charge in that is not a money-making thing. Hmm. We charge three euros in so that those children, well, the other part of the child, will feel that they are paying to go into something. Yes. That's yes. it. It's part of the experience. It's part saying, of the that? experience, Very yes. Good. And Very the next good. disco then is on Sunday, the 2nd of April. It's an early Easter disco. Hmm. Now, I know of boys and girls that have gone now, before Islam, now before the COVID, not that came, they have gone to uh, different disco clubs in Carmel and have been and have been refused admission into them because they have they have required for special needs. And if you ask why was I went into one of the places the following day when I was twelve and asked why were they refused, or um, if one of them got a seizure, who covers their insurance? Right. Nothing about if you're in there drunk and you fell down and broke your leg. Yeah. Who covers your insurance there? Yeah. Well, there is an element of discrimination to that. Uh, it is I, an element of discrimination. There is, yes. That's George, right. I must leave it there, but thank you so much for coming on with me and my best to, to Christopher and to all your family. Grand. Thanks very much, thank Brandon. God bless. Good bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good. bye-bye to you now. That's uh, George Hogg speaking to us uh, this morning. Uh, Barb was on to say, my son was born 21 years ago with Down syndrome and while he has some medical issues, he represented Munster in the All-Ireland Special Olympics and is involved in many other things including music and dance. If we didn't have to fight for services, it would make life so much easier for us. But I have to say it's been a privilege to be his mommy and an absolute gift from God. I love him and all my children 
equally, says Barb to us today. Lovely, lovely text indeed, Barb. Thank you. Uh, another listener says, I have two special needs uh, adults, no services there whatsoever, no help. Um, go to appointments just to attend appointments, it says. Uh, Fran, just listen to your show. I've just dropped off our son with Down syndrome to his part-time job. So many young men and women with Down syndrome lead wonderful lives in 2023 and have many abilities. And uh, lots more coming into us on that. Uh, another person saying, I understand where George is coming from. I've been there. 83 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Oh, hassle and trouble about uh, the NCT again raising its head. Anecdotal evidence emerging online in recent days with uh, motorists uh, complaining that uh, when they go online to book a test in the local area, they find it could be July or August before they get a slot. Gary joins me now. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. How are you, Brian? Um, How's it going? Very well indeed. Happy New Year to you, Gary. You're making a very interesting point indeed that we're able to drive unfit cars because now we have to wait whether we like it or not for an NCT. And it only goes to prove what's happening in this country. We're, we're setting up these um, money-making machines for private, big private companies that are pulling millions. The, the, the NCT is a joke. You can go down and get an NCT test this morning and your car can pass. And five minutes out the road, that car um, can break down for any number of reasons. Mm. Like uh, uh, an NCT test isn't... Uh, and people like buying cars because it has an NCT test. An NCT test just says that at the time your man tested it, it was okay. You know, right, so like, you uh, you you wouldn't read very much into a successful NCT uh, results, then, would you? No, no. Like they're a lot of rubbish, and like we can drive. Like as you said there in your introduction, we can drive without an NCT test now because they can't uh, they can't fit you in. Like it, it, it's a joke. This NCT test. And the money, like the failure over a bulb, mm. like uh, um, uh, a light bulb gone, you know what I mean? And you have to go back and spend another €28 Euro for a retest just to fit a bulb. Yeah, I remember in my case, would you believe, one time I, I failed an NCT test because I had some CDs and books in my boot of the car. Yeah. That I, I didn't realise. Like, what, what, what has that got to do? Well, seemingly when I tried to find out afterwards, it's, it may affect the focusing of your lights. I don't know. I was, uh, that's, that's, that's rubbish. Yeah. Absolute rubbish. Does it, surprise, it certainly surprised me um, this morning because I asked Ali to, to have a look at NCT. Did you know it's run, it's owned by a Spanish company? Did you know that? Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah like I did all, these, all these companies, it's like even that um, Bartray Capital there, as you see it on the paper, mm. um, they set up these shared living units in Dublin. And at the planning stage inside the Dublin County Council, um, they gave a figure of a thousand euro a month. They launched them this week and they're eighteen hundred euro a month. No questions asked. Eight hundred more than the figure they gave um at the planning stage. 
And it's the same thing with the hospitals. We're spending billions here in the hospitals. Yeah. And we're going the same way as the UK. Uh, it's not working, so we'll privatise it. And it's a move to the private sector. And do you, do you have issues as well with, with civil servants? Because you were saying at least uh, we're here in a democracy and if we don't like our politicians, we can vote them out. But you're saying that the permanent government to the senior uh, civil servants, they're, they're in place anyway. Well, if you get elected tomorrow morning and if you're made Minister for Defence or Minister for Agriculture, like what do you know about uh, defence or agriculture? Hmm. None. So it's a secretary of the department that runs the department and he hands the minister his speech and he tells them the policy. Right, you know, but, but they like, don't. If, the, if, if the, it's the, wrong, the, they don't the, pay the price. The minister has to go for re-election. Yes. The civil servant doesn't. He's on as big a salary as the minister, but he has no accountability. Yeah. Like you take the hospital crisis. No one in the Department of Health had direct responsibility for all overseeing acute hospital sector. Nobody, nobody in the department. So how, so, how can that be? Like this country has been mismanaged. Uh, uh, like, it's, it's crazy. The Land Development Agency, the state here in Ireland, were paying 138,000, 138,000 more than other European countries for building houses. Where where did it all go wrong, do you think? Where did it all go wrong? Mm. Well, like, it's been going wrong for years. Like, yeah. But, but that's what I mean. If you look back, because... There was, there was a girl... No, I'm not, excuse me. There was a girl there in the civil service... Um, she was in the Garda um, traffic section or whatever, but she used the pulse system. She developed a cocaine habit. Right, now, well, we, do, we don't want to go into details that I can't no, no, so but sort of endorse on there. Yeah. She was in the civil service, right? Mm. And uh, it was on the papers there, so it's mm. not something that's... Yeah. And uh, her boyfriend or whatever was her whatever, but he blackmailed her into getting details of mm. the pulse of where the Garda checkpoints would be during the lockdown, so mm. these guys would go around... Mm. Right, and she's up in uh, the courts this week and last week mm. for uh, giving away private confidential information. And we have a teacher who admitted that he gave away a private confidential information. And uh, has he been summoned? Has he been brought to court? No, no he hasn't. I no, mean, the he decision hasn't. was there's that. One rule, there's a rule here for the boys at the top. Right, and do you think that people are feeling aggrieved about this? Are ordinary people, or do they care really at this point? Are they just exhausted from it all? I, I, I don't know. I, I'm waiting for the next election, like I said, uh, to see uh, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have been in and out of power here for the last 50 years and they're blaming one another. Mm. And, uh, like, who are they going to blame this time now when they go running for elections? And all we'll hear about is um, Sinn Féin and the North and terrorism. Sinn Féin moved to the peace thing 25 years ago. Mm. And, like, it's the 100th anniversary this year, 1922, 23 uh, the civil war here. Mm. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael fought that civil war and they, they, they committed equally as bad, if not worse, terrorism acts in their time. Like, so, like, they were terrorists, but they're not anymore. Like, the, the same rules should apply to Sinn Féin. And the press here have a lot to... to so, are you, are you that, saying so. that all these parties have blood on their hands if you trace history back? Is yeah, that, is yeah, that yeah. what you're saying? So, so where does it stop? Mm. How far back, like, how long have Sinn Féin, like, to say... Uh, um, like before, uh, it's not being thrown up, um, mm, or yeah. you've done this, that, done that. Are you, are, you, are you a member of Sinn Féin, Gary? No, I'm not. No. I'm would not you, can I ask you, would you vote Sinn Féin next time around? I would, yeah. yeah. Because I, I, will, I, I, I will vote for anyone, Barafina Paul or Fina Gale, and, and don't talk to me about the Greens. Right. Like, 
Eamon Ryan in his window boxes. Like, we're exporting, and Eamon Ryan, we're, we're exporting uh, peace to Japan mm. and Australia. Yeah. But we, we can't use it here ourselves. So you're saying the, it's, it's hypocritical to say the very least, well, is that it's it? totally hypocritical. And, like, we're mm. talking about, like, we're one of the most taxed carbon countries in the world. And, like, if you put us on a world scale, we wouldn't make a full stop on a white A4 page mm. compared to China, Australia. Uh, and right, like, but, but the Green Party would say to you, Gary, that wouldn't justify us not doing anything, do you know what I mean? That well, would happen. I'm, not, I'm not saying don't do anything, mm. but, like, we're taxed to the hilt here. Yeah. Like, the price of oil has gone down globally. Has the price of petrol come down at the pumps? Well, it's has come down, price, but it's slow. Gas, it's very has slow. The price of gas come down. Yeah, nowhere, nowhere near what it has come down internationally. All right, Gary. Well, good to talk to you today, and thanks very much indeed for coming on with us. That's uh, Gary. How do you feel about that? Oh eight three three double one double three double one. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip today on one eight hundred nine three eight double o seven. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, Tipperary celebrity uh, entertainer Una Healy uh, made headlines over the weekend amid uh, allegations and speculation that she's in a throuple. Now, I didn't know what a throuple was until uh, I read this this morning. But for those of you who don't know, anyway, it's basically three people in a relationship. Now, can a throuple work? Well, dating expert Francis Kelleher joins me now. Francis, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome and lovely to talk to you and a happy new year to you. Three people in a relationship, Francis. Can that work? Yes, yes. I would say initially no, straight out no. It it normally doesn't because somebody is always left out. Mm. So, you know, fundamentally it doesn't work because people like to feel special. That's the whole main aim of the point of a romantic relationship that you pick that special person you have their back no matter no matter what it's you and them against the world and you're in your bubble so uh, each to their own mm. you know people are entitled to do what they want whatever floats their own boat but ultimately i don't think it works and you you say it's because that somebody might feel left out of the threesome. Is that is that it? And they may be the poor relation, so to speak. Yes. Um, I mean, you even see that joke in films in, in, in threesomes that, you know, people get left out, that they make that joke even about it. Like, it, it, a couplehood is couplehood for a reason. It's two people. And, you know, how's the other person going to feel if there's two that are really getting on well you're going to feel left out. You know, be it, you know, getting on really well mentally, physically, emotionally, it doesn't matter. It's it's hard to keep a lot of people happy. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, it's hard enough to keep one sure, partner happy yeah. sometimes. You know, when now, you're doing your level best with mortgage, throwing a mortgage and a couple of kids. 
So it, it can be stressful even with two people. Oh, well, that's, that's very interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that at all, Francis. That, I mean, if you get down to the finance of it, for example, getting a home and kids and all of that kind of thing, yeah, uh, I could see how complicated it could become then. Definitely. Uh, I, and that's a great point, you know, about the, the, the finances, because even with affairs where the finances are being leaked out to the other woman or other guy, whichever the mm. case may be, you're taking from the main relationship there, you know, emotionally and financially. Yes. So, yeah, it's, you have to think of the whole picture and normally somebody gets less than the other person in a, in a, in a trooper. And what is that the way you pronounce it, by the way? It's truple. Is that is that how you pronounce as it? As far as I know, it's All right, truple. okay. Um, in the case, in the example we've we've given, it's it's a guy and two girls. I presume it could be two fellas and a, and a woman as well. Of course. And it's funny, when I saw the picture of Una Healy and the other two people, you know, the, the, the guy is a boxer and then there's the other girl. Yes, da- David Hay and Shan Osborne. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That, I was just about to say the, the yeah. Shan Osborne girl. Um, like, I wonder how it would go down if it was Una Healy and two men. Yeah. Or, or the Osborne girl and two men. Yes. How would that go down with the man that's involved? It can get very complex, you know. Well, that, what if that's, other that's people a, want that in other people? That's a very interesting point. Uh, would it be a different relationship if it was two men and, and would it be harder to, for them to tolerate in some way, do you think? That's what I'm wondering. Like, how would that mm. gentleman take that if it was him and, and two men and not him and two women? It, it, it really does complicate the situation. Like I say, each to their own. But it, it, it's hard enough even with one person, you know, trying to give their all to just that one special person. It can get very complicated and very complex. Is this becoming a thing now, Francis? I would say no. Right. No. Um, I mean, there's the open relationships. You always have the different take on um, the relationships and, you know, the threesomes and that. But the norm isn't because we are very emotional beings, humans. We have that. That's what separates us from animals. We have mm. that need and want to feel important and feel special. And when you have that spotlight on you and only you, that's, you know, how you feel that way. And we share enough in life, people feel, they don't want to share that special partner. So humans are very emotional. You know, we're very territorial and protective like animals. Of our person, our special person. So I would say it is not the norm. Why do you think there's such a huge interest in in this? Is it because you know, for some fellows, it might be a dream to have two beautiful women? Or, of course. You know, is is that what <laughs> is that what this is all about? Is it? it I mean, men God bless do his have energy and all of that. You know. You know, let's be honest. Men do have that fantasy. You know. Yeah. Uh, men are very visual. They're more visual than women. Um, and, and all that. And it, it, it is a fantasy of men. I mean, men tell me that as well, you know. Um, but I suppose it, it's interesting because it isn't the norm and it's something different. And, um, you know, we're we're very fond of our lovely Una Healy. We're, mm. The public are very fond of her. Um, and she's one of our own. And I suppose her past has been not so 
unordinary. She's been married. She's two children. Mm. So, you know, I suppose it's all of that. And, of course, we are interested in celebrities in their life. And anything different is interesting, of course. Of course. Now, she's not commenting uh, on this, in fact, uh, herself at all. So we have to we have to allow her privacy uh, where, where that is concerned. But it's just the whole notion of the trouble has come up now and people are discussing it in one thing and another, you know? So. Yes. And, and like I say, the fact that, you know, they're there together, they're coming out publicly with their pictures on, on social media and all that. They're not hiding the fact. They're embracing, you know, the way they want to live their lives. More power to them. More power to them. So I think, you know, I suppose when you put things on social media too, you're inviting the public in, in a way. You're not hiding it. You're not, you know, shying away from it. So people would be sharing that with them. You know, suppose, they're willing yeah. to share that part of their life. Does that concern public. you, um, that some people live their relationships in, in sort of open view in some way? Um, Francis, I mean, it's hard enough to have a relationship behind closed doors, but you'd imagine if there's a spotlight on you, it's, it must be extremely difficult. I do totally agree with that. I think, you know, the celebrities and the entertainers and the people in the public eye, I think they've way they have it way harder than any of us, you know, doing it privately behind closed doors. I, I have pity for them, uh, you know, hugely uh, sometimes in that way that the press and the media get involved and say things that mightn't be happening at all. It's, you know, a complete pressure cooker that way and it's way more pressure on them. And even if, you know, you were going through a tough patch in a marriage or, you know, a partnership or whatever it may be, you don't need that added stress. Stress is really what makes relationships hard. If we had no stress and no mortgage and no children, we weren't, you know, juggling things, there, there, would, there wouldn't be as many breakups. It's the stress that really, you know, puts pressure on But of course, on a lot of the celebrities, Francis, I mean, they put themselves in the way of this. And I suppose I'm thinking at the moment of Harry and uh, Meghan and stuff, de- you know, deliberately putting their private life out there, writing books about it, doing interviews about it. So sometimes celebrities, they choose this path. Yes, and that's a great point too, uh, Fran. That's true. I mean, we have to be honest. If you are putting everything out there, you you, you have to be thick-skinned enough to, to take, yeah. you know, the backlash and what comes with it, that, that parcel that comes with it. I do appreciate that. But I think, you know, ultimately you're making it harder for yourself down the line. You know, even if things don't work out and you've put yourself out there, I think, you know, it, it is making it harder on yourself. But again, people are entitled to live their life the way they want to. That's their choice. Maybe they've thicker skin than other people, that they don't care, you know, what people think and they don't care what people say and they don't care what happens down the line. They live in the now and they live in the moment. And that's their choice, you know. Well, Francis, great to talk to you as always and a happy new year to you. And thank you for your time this morning, Francis. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's Francis Kelleher, who is a dating expert uh, in on email um, from Penny. It says, Fran, on one level, it's very sad that some parents choose termination when given the news that their baby has Down syndrome. However, as a mother of five now adults, children without uh, any medical issues, thank God, I can't possibly question or criticise any other parent's decision. In Scandinavian countries, very few children are born with Down syndrome or other medical issues. Most of the pregnancies are terminated. It's a very uncomfortable moral maze without 
a right answer, says Penny to us on email. And that's tip today at tipfm.com. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage Puck On on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to Tip Today, 1800 The text to WhatsApp is 083 311 Mick joins me now. Mick, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Pat. How are you? Great to talk to you today, Mick, and a happy new year to you and the I'm family. Happy to talk. You, you, you were making a comment to us yesterday. We were talking about the health system and the disaster, particularly over Christmas, and you were saying that you can chase it all back to Hawhey's government in, in the 80s, I suppose, Mick. Is that it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he was, he was Minister for Health and Social Welfare uh, from 1977 to 1979. And in that time, he cut 5,000 beds out of the system. Mm. At the same time, he was bringing in free travel. And of course, that was a, that was a good soundbite for politicians to bring in. Yeah. Uh, oh, everybody's going to, that's the title, we'll get free travel. But while he was bringing in free travel and boasting about it, he was knocking uh, 5,000 uh, beds out of the medical system or the hospital system that were never replaced. So something had to pay for the free travel. Is that what, is that what you're saying? Uh, absolutely. Well, uh, it was a good sell by for politicians. Was know, it at that time as well, Mick, that we didn't have to pay for tax as well? The the, the tax was taken off the car. Was that around those years as well? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit, yeah. 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 Uh, Jack Lynch's famous budget where they cut everything and, they, and he got a 12-seat majority <laughs> as a result. Yeah, it's interesting. Of course, later on in the eighties, then I mean, there were, there were savage cuts in in the. Was it Rory O'Hanlon? Hanlon was was minister under Holly yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the amazing thing about it is that that uh, uh, I'd have to admit that, that uh, in the early stages of Fianna Fáil, they, they, they were they had a reputation for building houses and, and trying to look after the health system and yeah. the whole lot. Mm. And they, I, I don't know who stole their clothes, but uh, they, they certainly uh, lost. Uh, and affinity with the people along the way. Did, so it, did ideology change along the way, do you think? Uh, yeah, I think they, they adopted kind of, uh, uh, kind of a neoliberal uh, economics. Pri- Privatising in some way, or depending on the market. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, the main priority of a country, in my opinion, though maybe, maybe I'm just getting old or something, but I would have thought that the main priority of a country would be the health of its people. Mm. And, elder, uh, and if the people are housed as well. Yeah. I thought they would have been the two the, main priorities. The, the basics, yeah. The, the basics. basics. Now, I have nothing against the country developing a railway that, but we were building motorways for billions upon billions in order to save that maybe a half an hour from Cork to Dublin when we should have been building houses. That's so so we, we, we got it our ways, is what you're saying, basically. Make yeah, we, we, we got our priorities all wrong. Yeah. I'll give you a statistic. In 1989, there were 20,000 people on the, on the uh, on local authority waiting list. Probably even more now, I'd say. How many houses were built in 1989 with 20,000 people on the waiting I don't know. 768. Yeah. So it's been well, going, going wrong for a long time. It was, going, it was going wrong for a long time. 
health as health has, has been an absolute shambles. Uh, most of the local uh, the houses in this town of Tramel were, were local authority built houses. Uh, mm. They weren't all perfect, but compared to some of the places where people were living up to that, these these were mentions compared to. And and that notion, Mick, and you would have a lot of experience, that notion of selling off the stock to people. Now, we benefited from that. My own family did, I have to say. But selling off the stock, was that a mistake as well, do you think? Uh, it, it, it was a, a mistake to a, to a certain degree. Sorry, that bloody clock is <laughs> going behind me. But uh, yeah. uh, to a certain degree it was, you yeah. know, because it, it depleted the stock. Now, I know people went off and bought, uh, built their own houses or whatever, or, or bought... Uh, private house, yeah. and I suppose it, it opened up the the stock again. But but uh, there were a lot of houses left idle for a long time. I remember here in Carmel that there was about twenty local tiny houses that weren't filled for about two years. Can you explain that to me? I I, I don't know. I, I think people I don't know. I think people got they say too flahulak in their attitudes and the whole lot. I, I think there was a certain element here too that that uh, looked down on people in local tiny houses for some reason. Do Why think- I don't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do you think that? Uh, I, I do, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the upper echelons, shall we say. You know, uh, I put it like this. If you came from certain local authority areas, uh, health schemes, and uh, we'll say your compatriot that was going for the same job uh, uh, was in a kind of a posher health scheme, uh, you could only get to get the job like. It doesn't so, matter about your ability. So an address could impede your, your purpose or your, your job Absolutely. It, uh, it, it did. There, there's no doubt about that. You know, no, I don't think it's a change, though, because obviously working class kids have better chances for education mm. and, and the whole athlete, yeah. including, including my own. So that's where he went. Yeah. I mean, I've been always classed myself as working class, you know? Yeah, same as that, yeah. Yeah. And and proud of it, too. I mean, I don't see any... Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But but, but I, I know when I was growing up in Cashel, there was an awful class divide, Mick. You know, I remember it so well. Uh, Fred, I've often commented that when we were under the Brits, we had un- unmerciful uh, class distinction. Mm. But by God, we learned well from... Didn't we just? Didn't we, we just? We have, we have some of the finest snobs that were ever... <laughs> we, we could teach the Brits snobbery at times. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, yeah I, know, I, know. Yeah, I know. You know, the pennies looking down at the 80s, as my mother used to call it, you know? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I heard uh, there was um, a thing from Johnny Rotten. It's a totally separate issue, but he may be representing us in the, in the Eurovision. But he was making the point uh, that when he worked on the building sites with with um, Irish people, that the snobbery and the difficulty among their own was incredible. Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, my, my, my father and a lot of my uncles were, were tradesmen, mostly plasterers, right? Yeah. My father worked at the local authority in the days when they used to have the ladders on the cart and all that kind of thing. And if you go and do maintenance in the houses. The labourer used to push that cart up Cashel Road Hill while my father walked on the footpath because he was the tradesman. Because he had the trade. My God. So even Um, among themselves they were... Yeah, and the tradesmen looked down on the the labourers. And then you had another fellow that would be kind of a skilled labourer. And he looked down on the fellow that had inferior uh, (laughs) credentials than him like. Isn't it incredible, isn't it's it? Yeah. Absolutely incredible what we've done. Like, you know what I mean? Is that human nature, Mick, or is it an Irish thing, do you think? Uh, it's, just, it's human nature, I suppose, yeah. to a certain degree. But, but I tell you what, the Irish, we, we do snobbery very very well, I can tell you. I think we certainly do, indeed. But, but, but just get back to, I know I'm straight from, from the health crisis mm. uh, and the whole lot, but uh, the, the housing crisis, uh, 
that didn't start today, that started in, the, in the, the late 60s, early 70s. And what about the fixing of it, Mick? I mean... There's only one institute. Local authorities are going to have to dress the little and the rubble and start building local authority houses again. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, but the, whole, pl- people, the whole planning issue would have to be looked at then because, I mean, that's, that's impeding an awful lot of building at the moment, isn't it? Well, yeah, sure, the, the, the present situation, I mean, you can have a fellow above it. If you, if you want to build a house down the state of Prairie, say, or buy a house, and, and uh, you, you need planning permission for it, a fellow above it, Dunning Gall can object to you. Can object you. Yeah. I know. You know so that, that, that's absolutely ludicrous, like, you know. Um, and and availability of lands, then, local authority lands and stuff. I mean, there's plenty of land out there, is there not? The local authority have huge amounts of banks and land around Calvary. Huge amounts. They so, just like to ban a grand there about that big farm out there, for God's sake. I don't know how many others are acres or either. So go yeah. and build is the... Go and build. Now, I will say that when we were building the waterways, I know many people would say, oh, they're, they're great for the country and the whole lot. But we should have been building the houses before we built waterways. We, we were actually been saving a half an hour to go to Dublin or something like that. That's all it was. And, and while they were building the waterways, they did it. They all the bridle roads and the country roads. Absolutely. They're all bits. Yeah, uh, and they're, they're still in bits, God knows, out there. Yeah, so the question, the, 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 the politicians love sound bites. Do you know what I mean? And what, what looks good, like, we'll build a waterway. Oh, my God, that's a brilliant road, the whole lot. Where, where people were living in penury and, 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 uh, and squalor. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Have you, know? you got your head around why... And, I mean, whether you like them or not, or whether you follow a political party or not, some of the brightest and best of our so-called politicians had a go at health over the years, Mick. Why Why have they failed miserably every single time with it? The big problem was, and it, it might sound trivial now, but that 5,000 dead that he took out of the system created havoc in this country. It might sound like a lot, but 5,000 beds is a hell of a lot of beds for hospitals. You know what I mean? Yes, if we had them now, we wouldn't have the problems. Yeah, but, okay, I know they built some more beds and all that, but they never replaced that for Yeah, Absolutely not. And and, and Fianna Fáil were in power for most of, of the time in this country. So, I mean, they had to take most of the responsibility. It's as simple as that. Well, we had the health boards then, and they were seen to be the the, 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 the disaster. And, and, you know, the HSE was created then to, to fix all of this. And now yeah, we're looking at something yeah. similar to health boards again. But you know what? I often think that the health boards weren't as bad as, as the HSE. No, but there was a lot of old political influence on it, Mick, was there not? You know? Well, there was a lot of politicians that were elected to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't control it either, like, you know. Mm. But I, I remember a time when with all this expertise and medical expertise, when I, when I was young in the, in the 50s and early 60s, uh, they had a, the old dispensary system. They had an old fever hospital there in behind where the nation's office was, mm. where they built it at the Aldi or little place now. And there was an old dispensary there in the old fever hospital. And the ordinary GPs used to work for the, to be for the, for, for to be the health board at that time, to be run by the Hilton Hills at mm. that time. And I, I remember going up there as a kid, a bit of a sore throat. But my mother could bring me up and walk straight in, and I was able to see the doctor. So now you can't even see your own um, GP. Like imagine that, having that facility now, we'd all be delighted with ourselves. Well, I mean, this is in the days when we had nothing. I know. And now we have. All the expertise, we've all the MRIs and all the scans and all and, and everything. And, and still at all, if you want to go to a doctor today, you're talking to a receptionist on the phone who, who basically you shouldn't be discussing your problems with at all. I, I taught medical uh, ethics 
prohibited uh, uh, a reception asking you your problems. And, you know what and I mean? Mick, am I re- looking back with rose-coloured glasses? I never remember queues in, in hospitals when I was a, a, a kid. I, no. I, I don't remember people on trolleys or anything. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I know I guess I did great love of the nuns or Christian brothers, mm. but I'll tell you one thing, when the nuns were cleaning the hospitals, mm. by God, you could get the smell of carbolic half mile down the road, yeah, couldn't yeah. Yeah, they were, were crystal clear. They were, for oh, sure. yeah. Uh, this was next to God. Now, pe- people will, will rush to tell us, OK, yeah, that's all fine, but the population has increased considerably since. Oh, yeah, because and we have an older resources, population if, and all of if, that. If the population of the country has increased, surely the resources of the country have, uh, have, have increased as well. I mean, who provided most of the wealth of this country? Because the ordinary working class people working in factories and working in trades and whatever. They supply most of the of, 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 of the revenue, the tax revenue for this country, down through the years. Yeah, and I mean, we have all that corporation tax at the moment. Do you think we should be able to do something uh, with it? Well, I tell you, if, if that goes belly up... Well, we're in real trouble, aren't we? We're going to close down. Yeah. Hello? And and seemingly it is vulnerable and volatile in its own way, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, and I was looking the other day at, at the Children's Hospital again. I, I did a small little bit of research... Uh, What's the latest uh, figure on that? Yeah, well, the Adderall uh, Committee was looking into there around June, I think, last year. It says 1.7 billion. Uh, and now they reckon it could go from anything from 2.3 to 3 billion. And Genius. by the looks of it, it's going to be the most expensive hospital ever built in the world. Oh, my God. And the original estimate for the Children's Hospital was 400 million. Now, you could expect that that probably would double in normal circumstances, to 800 million with uh, inflation and building inflation and, and uh, timber and all that kind of thing. You know what I mean? But, uh, but uh, up to 3 billion. Yeah. It, it, it could possibly go to oh, 7, 8, 9 times the original. Uh, now, as I said to you before, if you went down to ride motor, port, uh, ride motor power t- today and you signed up for a car and they said, oh, we'll get all that dump you don't see you can collect it tomorrow and when you went back tomorrow, the car was eight or nine times more than what you uh, uh, decided to, to pay. Well, uh, you'd be uh, leaving it to them. <laughs> you'd be leaving it to them, would you? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I can never understand that. Now, they tell me there's all sorts of reasons that, that but I mean, it's the same building a house. If you make a deal with a builder, you yeah, make a deal I with a builder. Thought a contract is a contract. No, I'm usually, at the, with these big building contracts, they usually have a provision that, okay, that the price might double or something like that. And that's what you sign up to. But you certainly don't sign up to something to say it or nine times what the original lesson is. It seems to be an open check. Uh, yeah, that's point. right. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to see all the children of the nation uh, looked at, or uh, whether they have special needs, or, or bad complaints, or cancer. I, my God, I, I would, I would deny any child, uh, yeah, you course. know, uh, proper care. But there's a limit to what the state can afford as well. You know. Yeah, well, I see today in the paper state funding being sought to finance urgent security measures for our TDs and for our senators as well, because they might need footwear so they can escape quickly if they have hassles. I know, but in all fairness, I know, like, you know, I can criticise politicians forever, like, mm. but I mean, it's a complete negation of democracy, like, to assault TDs. Like, you just can't, that, that, that just can't, in any, in any country, like, you just can't go with, a, with, with a, a box of SHIT and throw it at. That's an assault. And absolutely, and I would completely agree with you, but where personal security is concerned, do you not think they should be paying for it themselves? Oh, I don't know. I mean, in all things, they are, they are elected officials of the state, like whether you like it or not. Like, you know what I mean? 
and I, I, you have a duty of care. If there were civil servants and people started going into the offices and throwing bags of you know what, I mean, the state would have to protect the civil servants, wouldn't they? Yeah, but I mean, if I was getting aggro outside of here from from people who took issue with the program, for the, the, the company won't pay for for me to have extra security measures or anything like that. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, it's a, yeah. But you see, the amount of people that they're dealing with, and, and they're dealing with complex issues. And I suppose you know, you have to admit like that most TDs. I, I think if you're going to a TD, he's not going to try and obstruct you. Uh, you know, he's trying to do. They will try to do their best. Mm. You know what I mean? It's part, you know, their function like is to serve the people. And I suppose every TD wants to get re-elected at the same time. I mean, it's still their job at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And throwing bags of crap at him, like, is that, that's oh, not a, a Absolutely way not. And any right-thinking person would, would, would disagree completely and profoundly with that, I suppose, Mick. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. just, I, I, I just object to the fact that every time there's an issue, uh, taxpayers have to put their hand in their pocket and pay for it, you know? It's, yeah, well, you see, I suppose, in, in a sense, it's a kind of a defence of democracy. Like, I mean, if, if we start, you, you see what's happened in other countries where, where yeah. uh, democracy is, is, is being belittled, like America and Brazil and all that. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't like that to happen here. Like, whatever else you can say about the system, at least we can vote them out, like. You yeah. Know? Do, you, do you find, though, I mean, you look at all the protests that's happening around the country. Are, are things changing, Mick? Are, are people getting angry and... Do you know, is that the way things are becoming? Divided and all of this? And Well, well people are about to feel angry. If the health of the, of the nation is is, is uh, shagged up, for want of a better word, and uh, the house, uh, you know, a roof over people's head, if that's gone, I mean, sure, what else is there, really? Your, your, most, your greatest priority in life must be the health of your, of your own person and, yes. of, and, of the, and of the country itself. You know, you can't have a functional country with a proper health system. You well, know? Maslow's pyramid of needs, uh, shelter is, is, is vitally as way yes. up there and uh, it's so important yeah. to people. Yeah, Health, shelter, food. Yeah, yeah the you basics. Know, but pe- people have forgot and I suppose the well-heeled, the really well-heeled, they're not really worried about the ordinary working person. No, let's be honest about it. And then again, I suppose if you or I were uh, uh, living in the lap of luxury and being a multi-billionaire or a billionaire in some cases, I don't think we'd really have... We'd lose all affinity with working-class people, would you? Be honest about it. Probably. Probably would, I suppose, Mick. Yeah. You know. It's interesting. It's food for thought. Mick, always food for yeah. thought whenever we chat. Thank you so much for your time, Mick. Yeah, that's Thank all right. Happy Thank New Year to you. Bye bye to you now. Bye bye. 1800 The text and WhatsApp is 083 Fran, the NCT, while annoying, is necessary. The system, though, is wrong. If you're uh, delayed with a test through no fault of your own, the pass will still be backdated to the original. Expiry date on the circuit. Oh, I didn't realise that. Is that is that the case? Absolute madness, is this listener. Uh, no wonder there's a constant backlog. New cars uh, should be pushed out for the test after five years, not four. Uh, this would alleviate uh, the backlog, in my opinion, says Brian, who's in Clonmel today. Uh, Dosh Celebs Social Media. Dosh Celebs Social Media, says one person. Uh, they love to vomit out the slurry on themselves, neighbours, uh, the dogs two doors down are our own people. We're so addicted to others' privacy, says uh, Molly. Uh, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of some uh, rather risque um, commentary on the notion of a, um, a 
trouble is that how you describe it a, a threesome of a relationship as well um, alright some of that I cannot read you but I'll have a glance through it and I'll bring it to you in just a few moments time Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now there's yet another diet uh, being spoken about, particularly on social media. It's called the Lion Diet, also known as the Carnivore. Uh, diet and it's gaining popularity with videos on TikTok gaining over 19 million views so a lot of interest in this. Let's speak to our nutritionist Lauren O'Reilly who happens to be in Australia at the moment. Lauren, good morning to you. Good morning Fran, how are you? I'm very well indeed. I presume it's a lot warmer where you are than it is here in Tipperary, Lauren. It is, it is a little bit warmer indeed. It is a little bit warmer. Um, so it is, yeah, this, this diet now is extremely interesting, but again, it's a pure example of um, how social media and the influencers can actually pass on damaging and mis- misleading claims as well. So it, it is quite a worrying one. Will you explain the diet uh, to us? It's, it's basically eating meat and meat only, is that it? It is. So it's, it's not, uh, it's, it's similar to the carnivore diet. The carnivore diet does include fish and chicken and poultry, for example. But this one is even more restrictive again, that it only includes meat from ruminants. So like your, so cows, sheep, goat and deer. And the only foods you're allowed to eat are, are meat from those animals, uh, salt and water. They're the only meats you're, you're not allowed fruits or vegetables, you're not allowed nuts or seeds, you're not allowed or oils of any kind at all so you're really really restricted uh, and it, it is quite worrying that this is becoming quite a trend as well. Where did this emerge from? So there is a podcaster called Michaela Peterson now we, she is qualified in psychology, she's not qualified in any form of nutrition or anything whatsoever um, she experimented with such a diet for her, her own health uh, it just so happened to help her. Um, so she's now being called, in inverted commas, a diet expert, um, which, again, is, is damaging uh, because a lot of people can call themselves diet experts without necessarily being qualified to do so. Um, now, because she has restricted her diet in such a way that she's excluding a lot of food groups that can cause allergies and intolerances and inflammation, um, she has remedied some of her issues. However, the... the the worrying thing about this is, um, you know, you're restricting a lot of very important vitamins and minerals, and um, there's actually some damaging consequences from uh, the intake of excessive amounts of red meat there as well. So, I mean, it's proven that it increases your blood pressure, increases your cholesterol, um, increases your risk of type 2 diabetes, uh, can increase your risk of hemorrhoids and polyps that are, are associated with the colon there as well. Uh, and actually can reduce your bone density as well. So it's recommended by the Osteoporosis Society of Ireland not to have a high intake of protein. Um, you can have protein in your diet, but, but excess amounts of protein in your diet can actually reduce your bone density as well. 
um, by eliminating out the important food groups then. So like even the oils, your, your essential oils, they're required for the absorption of our fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E and K. And then vitamin D is required for calcium absorption. You're eliminating out dairy. So you're eliminating out the dairy group. Um, and I presume as well that you're, these are things, and most people are on TikTok, they're kind of teen, in, in the, in mm. the teenage years, the early 20s, they're growing. They're setting down their bone density for the rest of their, their lives. Uh, and it's a very crucial point for their growth then as well. There is lots of other um, age groups on TikTok, of course, but the majority of them are within the late teen to early 20 age group as well. Um, and they're the ones kind of falling prey to this and following these inverted commas influencers. And Lauren, how are how is the meat to be cooked, uh, you know, if it's to fall into this category of, of a diet? How, how does that work? I, I presume it can be cooked in any way once you, once you have it. Oh, I didn't it. Okay. specify when I was researching the diet. I didn't specify in which way uh, when I was researching the diet uh, whether it has to be raw. Um, if it's raw, that, that brings a whole other level mm. of food safety into it as well, you know. Um, and then the claims that they make then as well, so weight loss. So obviously if you're excluding sugar and you're excluding alcohol and uh, processed food, you're going to lose weight inevitably there. Yes. Um, it, it reduces bloating. Actually, uh, diet high in meat and low in fibre, which is your 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 whole grain carbohydrates and vegetables, actually causes more bloating and causes more constipation. So again, there's there's no there's no research behind backing any of her claims there as well. It increases your energy levels. Um, again, it takes longer for meat to digest in the body. It could take four to six hours, as opposed to plant-based foods that could take anywhere between thirty minutes to an hour be digested that's why we need a combination of both of them so again maybe increase of energy definitely not accessible energy um so again there's the kind of damage there as well um you know and this is another one which is extremely damaging it cures the word cure cannot be thrown out autoimmune diseases allergies and intolerances there's in europe there's huge amount of protection against the, the use of the word cure uh, with health professionals these days as well. We, we cannot say in Europe that we can cure cancer, that we can cure this. The, you the, know, the, lady, um, the lady in question who's advert, uh, advocating this um, herself and indeed her husband as well, they're, they're huge audiences for them and they're extremely powerful. They are, they are, and it's extremely damaging at the same time as well, you know. So, you know, you might get your vitamin B12, you might get your orange from your meat, but there's a huge amount of vitamins and minerals that you're missing out on. Even from your fruits and vegetables, they have really important vitamins and minerals, but also antioxidants that combat a lot of disease processes in the body then as well. So um, it's really important that we get in our our fruits and vegetables um, because you can end up massively deficient. Um, especially, again, if children and teenagers are following this and they're growing um, and, and, and following this, you know. So this is a complete no-no as far as you're concerned, Lauren. We, we're, we're in that month of January where people do look to diet and maybe want to make changes and stuff. You, your advice would be what? You know, it's, it's very, very simple. I said this time of year, okay, if, they, if you have any, any leftovers, remnants in the Christmas lying around, your, your your selection boxes or your crisps or anything lying around or your your soft drinks, 
you know, it, we're a good way into January now. So may, maybe do that sugar audit, as I call it, um, get the black bag out and remove anything from temptation. And that way you can control your environment. And when it comes to late the evening, when you know that there's a chocolate bars up on the press, it won't be tempting you. You know, next thing is even to uh, maybe avoid white carbohydrates and opt for your whole grain, brown bread, brown pasta, brown rice, carbohydrates instead. That will sustain your blood sugar levels for longer. Uh, it will sustain your energy levels for longer. Uh, it's good for your digestive system. Um, plenty of, like I said, fruits and vegetables there as well. Um, and again, if you, can, if you can cut the sugar, which is a hard one this time of year as well, um, the, the sugar detox is good, but not having those foods tempting you in the house can make a huge difference there as well. You know, so even those small things, you'd be surprised. Lauren, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and thank you so much for joining us today from uh, the land down under. That's Lauren O'Reilly, our, nutrition, uh, our nutritionist and apologies there for the delay on the line. Obviously, we were chatting to her in Australia this morning. 1800 938 The text and WhatsApp is 0833113311. Caroline joins me now. Good morning, Caroline. Morning, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Tell me about your experience of Fastway Couriers, Caroline. Um, I, prior to the the Christmas coming, um, I bought clothes online with the company mm. and to the value of 180 euro. And, um, I, they were delivered to my house mm. by Fastback Couriers and obviously they weren't what I originally thought they would be when I saw them online, as you can imagine. Sure. You know, yeah. sometimes they can be very different. But anyway, I read. I returned the three items in the package by Fastway Couriers and I used the depot at Cleary's Garage in Nina. Mm-hmm. And since then, I haven't heard one thing. My account was never being credited. So I got onto the company I actually bought the clothes for. They never received the package. Now, their package was sent back on the 27th of November. Delivery received in hub came up on the tracking device. Yes. That was on the 27th. On the 28th, it said, received in the depot. On the 28th, again, it said, on board with the courier. On the 30th, it said, drop for customer pickup. On the 30th, it says, the customer was notified. And then it said, on the 30th, the parcel was returned. But as far as you're, you've chased up on this, and it hasn't. No, I actually... I rang um, a lady who's been always very helpful for me with Fastway and I'm not here to run down Fastway in any way, shape or form. I'm only literally trying to find where my package is because my biggest difficulty is trying to get a phone number to speak to somebody. Mm. Now, I spoke to Ashling in Fastway in um, Clamel, who's always been very helpful. But it seems to be, when I spoke to her, it was with Hawk Bay Couriers in a depot in Dublin. Mm. And I asked her, would she have a phone number? She said, no, she wouldn't have any number for it. So I got online, I Googled them, I rang the numbers. I've had failed to get an answer because the phone now don't ring through. Mm. Yesterday then I got a text message on my phone and it said that there was, on post had a parcel for me. And like, as you know, there's lots of scams going of around. Course, yeah. I was afraid to kind of tip it, but then I said, here, I will, I'll just tip it to see, maybe it's something to do with the actual parcel. Mm. And when I tipped it, it said, link from message, um, deceptive website warning in red. Right. 
So I'm kind of at a dead end. I have no phone, phone number for this Hawks Bay Couriers in Dublin. Um, and I presume you only have a certain window of opportunity to return something. Is that the way it is, or you lose your money altogether? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Because the actual company in question actually said that you know, the, if it hadn't received it by the 11th, because they, they they opened the window a little bit extra for returns over the Christmas period. Right. As you can imagine, because if you give someone a of present course, yeah. and it's not suitable, you'll be able to return it. But unfortunately for me, I mean, I'm at a dead end now. I'm at the loss of 180 euro. And the bag of clothes are somewhere, but they're not with me. Right. But according to the tracking, it should have been delivered back. It should have been, well, it said parcel returned, but returned to where? Right, okay. Well, Nobody you... seems to know where it is, and I mean I think you were my last hope this morning I'm hoping you're my last hope that someone might hear this and might have a phone number as to speak to somebody, because I think don't get me wrong, Fast we're a fantastic courier service, and I've never had an issue with them, and yes. they're great people especially over And the you've Christmas used them in the past so I guess, I have, have you, of course, Caroline? I yeah. have, I have yeah. and I know they're extreme busy and you can you know things can happen over the Christmas period and that's acceptable but I mean for such a big business it's wrong that there isn't you know customer service to speak to on yes. a one-to-one basis because they're, they're they're all over the world they're in New they Zealand are. Australia South yeah. Africa yeah and every number that I try to contact it's run and dead there's no answer at the other end of the line. But, you know, we hear that about so many businesses now. You just can't get through to a human being to speak to, you know? Yeah, it's a machine. Okay. The machine won't tell me where the price Well, I'll tell you what we'll do, Caroline, is we'll do our best to follow this up uh, with uh, Fastway and we'll see if we can get some sort of an answer for you where this is concerned. Is that okay? That's great, uh, and I'd appreciate all your help. If yeah, you and we, we'll chase it as best we can and see what... I, and if any of our listeners want to uh, share their experience of Fastway or maybe give us some more information, uh, 083 311 Caroline, good to talk to you. We wish you well Thanks. with that. Thank you. Thanks a million. Bye-bye, Bye-bye. you know. Bye-bye. That's uh, Caroline speaking to us there about her um, experience with... Uh, fast way. Uh, can you help us where that is concerned? And again, if you want to speak to Emma, it's 1800 Back in a moment. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, a couple of people onto us with a similar situation with the courier service, so uh, we'll put it all together. We'll try and make contact with uh, Fastway and we'll see if we can get back to Caroline with a, a definitive answer on that. We were speaking, well, we touched on snobbery a little earlier on and uh, one of our listeners saying it's Irish fake snobbery you're referring to there now somebody else saying my father had a great saying you're as good as everybody else but you're not better than anybody else and always remember where you came from so say all of us well done Um, okay lots more uh, coming in on this particularly on the courier service and somebody giving us some numbers there as well and thank you very much indeed for that on 083 311 good morning John Morning, Fred. Uh, good to talk to you. Will you tell me Hello. about tell me about your wife's situation, John? 
Yeah, it's about the diabetes end of it, Fran. Um, you know, there was someone on, I think, yesterday. We were speaking to Pat yesterday, yeah. Yeah, um, saying that there, there doesn't seem to be much emphasis on anyone with diabetes. Mm. Um, just an example, my wife um, has a prosthetic leg, and the other leg is actually, she can't walk on it either. Oh, but um, she's wheelchair-bound. But um, the thing about it is that um, her prosthetic leg after being at the hospital, came home and she went to get out of the car and the prosthetic leg broke. Oh, Lord. Um, and only there was myself and my daughter there to catch her. She would have got serious injury. But um, we got in touch with the, the people that we used to get in touch with and we got an appointment for Croom to go and see them. Mm. And they looked at the leg. They couldn't believe that the leg had actually broke. They the first one they ever heard of breaking. Um, now, on inspection, they agreed that it was um, certain things that were overlooked mm. um, down along. But um, the tallest that to be in touch with is within a fortnight. This is about four, four and a half months before Christmas. And the tallest that to be in touch with is within a fortnight for to um, go back to Croom and for them to take measurements for the leg, mm. the, new, the new prosthetic leg. Yes. And um, that we'd have to go to Chrome to take the measurements and then we'd have to go back near the end of it and we'd have to go to Cork. Now, after building a state-of-the-art um, hospital in Chrome, fantastic, I couldn't believe it when I saw it, but they said we'd have to go to Chrome to get the final measurements taken mm. out to, to Cork. And um, But that's four, four and a half months ago. We haven't heard a word since. No, and have you been talking to them, John? Have you been trying to phone them? or? Um, friend, there hasn't been word from them. We yeah. haven't got in touch with anyone. You know, because you ring these numbers now and you're left waiting and you don't get answers anyhow. And how, but, uh, how is your wife dealing with this? Well, she's not, like, I mean, she's, she's totally confined now, like trying to get from one chair say, to another. Like, she has electric chair, but if we're going, well, we have to go to the hospital in the care, I have to take the chair, but um, but to get from one chair to the other is impossible. Oh, now, and mm. we're looking, you know, at that. But we were just saying, like before, at least if you had a problem like that, you could. Or she suffers a lot now with um, the the good leg, as we call it, breaking mm. down and getting infection. Yes. And before it was always dealt. You'd get in touch with your doctor, and the health nurse would be be contacted, and she'd come out and dress it. Yes. But now it's left. I look after it. Um, and is that because there's nobody available to come out? There's to no you, one it? available, for, and it's not known to the fault of the health nurse. No one. Yeah, of course. Of course. In any yeah. way. But like the thing about it is that they're just not there now. So and you you have to do the nurse's job essentially. Is that it? You, well. You, more or less, like, I mean, I have to look after that, and if, the, if I see um, ulcer breaking out on the, the leg and that, we'd notify the, the hospital. But yes. now it's gone to the stage with the hospitals in Limerick, the university, um, when you ring, you just get answered back with a phone call and how to deal with it. So they give you instructions as to how to deal with it? Well, they'll, they'll just say that, um, keep an eye on it. If it gets worse, um, contact us. But, like, not alone that, like... The idea of having to go to the hospitals now with the infections that's in the hospitals and the way the hospitals are going. Like, I wouldn't take her to the hospital, to tell you the truth, because the last time I took her friend, 
she was there at 12 o'clock in the morning. At 12 o'clock that night, she hadn't been seen. And and um, she rang me to know would I go and collect her. And when I went to the... Or when I arrived at the hospital, the, they were going to put my wife outside the door because she had discharged uh, herself from the hospital. And they said she'd have to go outside the door and wait for me to arrive. Now, an hour and a half, an hour from Ross Gray, and um, she'd have to sit outside, and it was snowing and freezing the same night that I went. And um, and she was outside? Oh, they were going to put her out. Yes, she was put, putting her outside. Like, and I came in, and there was another woman at the front door. Um, she was sitting outside, and snowing and freezing, and she was sitting there shivering in a dressing gown. And my wife was only in a dressing gown, and, and that because um, she was taken in by ambulance. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, she was left there, and they were going to bring her out. She was coming outside the door, like, and when I arrived, then the, um, the, the, the one of the security would let me in. He said, um, she'll have to come outside the hospital now, and you can tell. Is that because of infection and stuff? Is yeah, it? yeah, but um, but it made no difference. Like, at this stage, Fran, they weren't, they weren't so much on the, the COVID. Right. right. Um, but, like, when I went in, like, the whole place was packed and people were sitting on top of each other. Like, and no one knew what was going on. It was like a cattle mark, like, to be honest. But, you, but you, the your wife, the, the, the loss of her leg in the first place, was that diabetes? The diabetes, r- yeah. Related, yeah. Yeah, she lost it on account of that, like, you know. Oh, but, um, yeah. but, like, the other leg now is going, going fairly bad as well. But, like, one should keep a, a good eye on it now. Thanks be to God, it's keeping... Fairly right. Right, but, but in the uh, meantime, you're still waiting on a callback from Chrome, is that it? Yeah, but Fran, that, that callback from Chrome is only to say that we're making an appointment for to see in maybe another month's time. Right, so this is going to be months and months down the road. Oh, sure. Like, uh, my wife said to me, she said, um, will we have it for Christmas? You know, joking with them. And mm. they said, um, they didn't actually give a, a definite answer. And she was only joking. Like, yeah. Now it seems that it's going to be... It could be a, at the rate it's going from, I reckon, again, to get the leg made and the way it takes so much time to do it. It could be another 6 to 12 months before she'll get it. Oh, my God. And how... I mean, how is she dealing with this in her head, John? Well, you see, that's the problem, Fran. Like, I mean, the, the, there's no thought of that, Fran. Like, I mean, even the same with, with um, say, going to the hospital. Like, when she went, she has to be quarantined when she goes. And she told the doctors that when she went to uh, Limerick tonight and she explained it. And um, she had this care that she had to show and she had to be quarantined and the doctors have to be going down. And when she told them this, the doctor said, oh, we haven't time to be doing that. He said, come on. You know, so they ignore the rules. So it's, it's very difficult, isn't it? Very disappointing for her as well. And and especially yeah. seeing that this is going to be long term now as well. John, well, yeah. John, we'll keep an eye on the story if that's okay. Give my best to your wife, won't you? I will do, Fran. And thanks, thanks, thanks for thanks talking to me much. today, John. Thank you. Thank you and good morning to you. 1800 Brian uh, joins me. Brian, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you for your time this morning, Brian. You were making a comment to us following our chat about the NCT. You think it's kind of annoying, but it's you believe NCT is necessary, Brian? I do. Yeah, I do, Fran. Look, it's. Uh, I know a lot of people leave leave the NCT to check the check the um, the mechanics of the car. Like, yeah. really, you know, you, you need to be checking the the mechanics yourself. And making sure that the car is 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 right at the end of the day, it's your responsibility. Like so, you need to make sure that 
the tyres are all right, the lighting is okay, mm. all the basics. But um, but even that, like the the, the fail the, the fail rates. I was reading there that um, nearly one in ten cars up the north um, were actually deemed um, t- too dangerous to actually leave the SD centre. Wow. So. Wow. That, that's, that's so, the big, so they're in, that's in, that, in that bad shape. Will you explain something to me? Because this is a surprise to me. Will you tell me about that? If, if the delay, obviously delay is no fault of ours. My own one is yeah. delayed for months. Um, but it, it will be backdated. Is that is that what you're telling me, Brian? That's, that's, that's what I believe, yeah. That's what I was told, um, that they, they backdated to the actual expiry date of the original search. So basically you'll be looking to book it in again maybe six months after doing the, doing the, the test that you were... Yeah, That's because I think by the time on. my test comes up, it'll be about six months or more out of date. So you're saying to me, I'll only get a test that covers me for six months then? Yeah, yeah. And so it's madness, like, because that's going to just add, um, add to the backlog. Absolutely. You know, to continue, continue a cycle, like. Do you know what I mean? I was saying, like, if, even in the new cars, like, I can't see why they can't push them out to five as opposed to four years. I think that would alleviate the backlog again. Do you know what I mean? And And to give... Like, I can't understand if they passed the, the, the car on the day of the test, the search should be valid from the day of the you'd, test, not, not back to the original. You'd it's, imagine I think it's, so. I so think it's absolutely what, mad. Are you yeah. suspecting that there might be a money-making thing here as well? Is that is that what you said to me, Brian? <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't want to make them kind of assumptions, but you'd yeah. have to wonder why you'd have to wonder why they can't validate the cert on the day of the test rather than backdate it to the original cert. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense you at all. I mean? Yeah, but but you believe it's it's necessary. Are you not seeing as as many sort of jalopies on the road as there used to be and cars falling uh, apart well, on the road? The, car, the cars, the cars now, and um, in the t- since two thousand, are, are are very well 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 mm. mechanically sound. You know what I mean? You, that there are so many um, device, so many alarms on this dashboard that will let you know literally what the problem is. You know what I mean? But I still, it's still down to the to the person to really get to have a regular checkup and a regular service, like by by um, a, a good mechanic and making sure that the car is is, is okay. So you're saying that that's our responsibility, our own responsibility. It is. It's not. It's not the entity can. They'll, they'll take problems there, there and then at the test. But at the end of the day, you're leaving the test centre. It's up to you to be to be the responsible car owner and, and um, of course, make sure yeah. car Because, Brian, I, I, I'm not sure what age you are, but I, I can't uh, I can't believe how we got away with some of it years ago, you know, with ball tyres and remould. Do you remember remould tyres? Yeah, you, you could buy remoulds. I'm sure yeah. they were deadly, you know. <laughs> Absolutely ludicrous, yeah, yeah, when you think about it. Yeah, you'd have to wonder, though, Frank, regarding the, the just the re- I just thought that was a, a point that if you're retesting the car, the test should be the, the the pass should be valid from the date you retested. That's just the point I was making. Like the backlog is only just considerably um, increasing the backlog. Do you know what I mean? Because you're going to have cars coming in after every after trying to get six months. And you know what I mean? Now, Pat, I, I I had a car last year that I couldn't see, but I I did the same thing. Tried to book it. It was giving me a six months hmm. um, delayed. It. So I rang the NC directly. Right. And um, I got through when I got the, the I got the test within a month. Did you? All right, okay. Yeah, so it might so be like, worth making a phone call. I would, I would, friend. If I were you, I'd make a phone call because at the end of the day, like it's 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 a horrendous thing having to wait six months to get the car tested when you know you know you want to do the right thing. You know what I mean? You should be able to get out and do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I I I must make a phone call then because I I can't remember what, when mine is coming out, but it's months ahead anyway. It's it's months. And the other thing, friend, I can't understand it. That that's such a backlog. Why can't they outsource someone to work to to reputable mechanics? 
you know what I mean, within the... You, you see, it's, it's a private company. Ellie did some research for me. I didn't realise it's a Spanish company that owns this uh, yeah. as well. But, Were you aware surely, of that, Brian? Surely it's not, it's not, I was, yeah. yeah. Surely it's not rocket science to be able to... Like, there's computers that can log everything. Do you know yeah. what I mean? A regular mechanic will be able to do what, what the NCT centre does. And they'll yeah. be able to record all the information, upload it onto whatever data system they need to. And at least that would help alleviate the backlog now. I'm not saying it has to be a prior, um, an ongoing thing, but, right, for, but for, for, for needs must, I, they could outsource it to local mechanics. You know, I, I, I suppose, and in fairness to this company that has the uh, contracts there, they have outlets in Spain, Denmark, Finland, Argentina, the mm. States. I mean, they, they have a lot of experience, this this. Company. Absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely. But there's, yeah. I don't think there's there's... There's no more better experience than local mechanics around the town. I've been dealing with cars for, for years. Sure. Yeah, you know what I mean? Certain. Like my own mechanic is um, is exceptional at what he does, and yeah. I'm sure he'd be, he'd be only glad of the work. You I'm, know what I mean? I'm sure all mechanics would in, indeed. Yeah. Brian, thank you for that, and uh, look after yourself and safe driving to you as well. That's it uh, from me for today. Emma produced, Ellie looks after our content. Uh, Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. You look after yourselves, won't you? Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.